here we are, this catastrophic situation has happened. My youngest son, he couldn't even contain himself in a thought. He started pacing in a circle and he grabbed his head like this and he was just going, no, 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 no. And then he started just kind of in a crying scream, kind of a, not screaming like, like, like fearful, just in a louder, dad, what are we gonna do? Like that nice, and, and he was like, what are we gonna do without mom? Kept screaming that. Mm -hmm. And I looked up and I said, son. And then my, my oldest, Kealoha, knelt down. He was going, mom, mom. And so, but the miracle is the lady that was jogging down the sidewalk was a Christian. Mm. She ran right to her and held her hand. And she just went, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. And she began to call the power of Christ down. The car that pulled up to the accident site had three soldiers that got out, ran to her. We had already got to her. We kind of got to her at the same time because traffic and everybody kind of came around her and they all took a knee and they began to call on the name of Jesus. Wow. That's why it's hard to get through this story. We're leaving and so mom can't take her flowers. So we left them with all the nurses. The nurses get to enjoy her flowers. Thank you to all of you that did flowers we appreciate it so much they're pretty aren't they babe it's hard to believe how they were walking out of this place just as we said the lord would do amen you want to say anything i'm just blessed that the lord saved my soul that i'm still here to talk about it and uh and my beautiful flowers so thank you for all that sent Thank you for always thinking of me and being there. God has restored. And it'll be good from here. Amen. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite Native American, Jose Cruz. And man, I am on location. I've been talking about this podcast the past three, four episodes. And this one's very special to me. But before we get into this, um, go check out like all our episodes we've been shooting. We've had a lot of great reaction. Last week's podcast with Steve and Mitch was one of my favorite podcasts because these guys are impacting lives, helping people with traumatic injuries, helping people, you know, with a lot of nerve damage, you know, infants that have one year old. And oh yeah, Laura's here. What's up, Laura? <laughs> um, but yeah, last week's podcast was some the reactions we've gotten, man, the downloads we've gotten already, you know, when it was released, just uh, such a great impact. These guys are such awesome guys. We've been praying for them. We got a text message uh, the, the day before the pod release, and a friend of mine said that um, her son's losing her, her, uh, his arm. He's going to have to do a whole amputee, and she was going to go to Minnesota, Arkansas, but because of the podcast we dropped with Stephen Mitch at SCI Fitness, you know, this injury or this type of amputation was considered called a suicide injury because 67% of people that have this injury commit suicide because of the traumatic issues that they face. So thank God that that podcast was released. You know, so again, check out all our episodes we have going because podcasts like this, you know, you guys heard me say a thousand times, you know, you can't just stick to vanilla flavored ice cream because at some point, Everything goes with vanilla and people get tired of that. So you got to pick a flavor that people aren't going to like or love, you know, so. But today we have a special podcast 
that I've been talking about and I want to happily introduce my pastors once again, Pastor Marty Lynch and Sister Mona. How are you guys doing? doing real good. It's going to be on your podcast. I know. I know like, I've been saving this moment. Like seriously, I've been saving because we've been here. I want to get into our story, you know, how, why we're back here because I've been leading up to this. I really have. And to sit here in a podcast format, because we've been hanging out since Easter or Resurrection Sunday, you know, but to really sit down and just, you know, really put it in a formal conversation, because sometimes you just talk, you know, and I'm listening. You know, we're just like, I'm just here. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, um, let's, let's just, let's just get to know you guys. Um, let's, let's start from the beginning of your guys' life before we're obviously, we're at your church. We're in Selma, California. Christ-driven church, Assembly of God church, and um, but yeah, Pastor Marty, Sister Simone, you guys introduce yourselves and let's just get to know you. Well, at the age of one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is exactly what I want to pot. <laughs> Are we talking like in the ministry as just, this? Yeah, well, so just like you guys. I don't guys. think anybody cares about like my history or something. I do. Okay. Well, because it's the... Because here's the thing. Remember, your testimony is what stood yeah, out to me in the true. beginning, you know, so maybe get into that, how you guys grew up, how you. Well, guys met. I just give some, yeah. you know, I give some of the high points of the low points. Um, I was, again, um, in a family of five. I have four siblings. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom, who I love dearly, is going to be with the Lord now in her earlier life, just couldn't put her put her life together. And so the five of us were always farmed out to relatives. And I ended up living with uh, one of my uh, closest, which is to me as mom, is a mother to me too, is my aunt Renelle. And uh, she would, uh, her and my uncle, they uh, basically trained me and I seen that, that wonderful side of, uh, of the Lord in their lives and stuff like that. So um, moving forward a lot is I had early on in my life a lot of, of church because my grandfather's an Assemblies of God pastor. Mm -hmm. And when we were kids, he would, come by but none of my siblings wanted to ever go to church but I always wanted to go with grandpa because you got to go to church got to go someplace and and we always went to dinner afterwards yeah. and that was special when you live in in the hood or the poverty mm -hmm. you know in the projects that was special you know to to be with your grandparents and get to go out and have lunch and things like that so um, but honestly, I can't, my, my childhood was always a joyful childhood. I didn't realize we didn't have much until when I went to live with my aunt and uncle and I saw what a stable lifestyle was to get mm -hmm. up every week, go to work, do everything, stay, you know, uh, and then uh, go to church. Uh, when the doors were open, we were in church and yeah. stuff. So, um, I'd like to say that that really stuck, but as I became a young man, um, um, I did things again. I wish, you know, uh, my testimony, I don't want to give any credit to, to the devil at all, but I went the way of the world and, and uh, played a lot of, uh, uh, that's where my music background comes from is a lot of uh, heavy metal music. I was in a lot of rock bands and back in the day. Yeah. And I know it's hard for everybody to look and see that now, but. Well, what I'll do is I, I have a picture of you that I'll pop up right now and that's Really what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> right there. It's popped up. It's covering me, Sister Mona, and it's, that, it's your guys' glamour shot. <laughs> no, but go ahead. I'm mess. <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> and so I had a rock, uh, a music career, and uh, 
had a great time and stuff, but I always had this thing tugging inside me. Mm -hmm. and it was that what we call, what I preach on all the time, is that God hole. Mm. You know, until you fill up that hole with God, it doesn't matter what you do, what you chase after. It doesn't matter if it's the women, the, the, the alcohol, the, the addictions, the, those types, none of that things. And praise God, I never had any addictions in my life other than the fact of decadence. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always able to walk away from anything. I've never had an illegal drug or substance in my body, but I could belly up to a, a bar pretty quick and, yeah. uh, and uh, with all my friends and uh, people that I ran with back in those days and stuff. And so, but then when God got a hold of my life, I walked away from all of that, I went to uh, her mother. I was, by this time I was already married and I went to her mom and I said, mom's cut my hair off. I had all this long hair. And I says, she said, I'm done with this. And I walked away from it. And kind of like the story of Job, you know, you think you're giving up so much or losing so much. Yeah. And then if you look behind us, you know, God's restored all that. I have instruments everywhere. I play constantly and uh, um, still playing worship, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, playing with you again and stuff. So uh, those are great things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but Mona came into my life uh, as um, early on and and uh, we started a f our lives together. And, uh, after what, 10, 11 years, we started our, our family and our firstborn was Kealoha and second is Kaoki and Kealoha. Both of them were associates here, but my youngest has since moved to the East Coast mm -hmm. and is, uh, has him and his family are in Florida. Yeah, but Kealoha, my oldest, is the associate pastor here. His wife, Aaliyah, he's been married now 10 months. And so they, they're, they're just exciting to be in ministry with them um, as he's such a phenomenal vocalist. Yeah. And so is she, and they're great musicians. They can trade off on, well, you know, you know, but yeah. as for everybody out there, they can trade off quite a bit from all the different instruments and uh, cover wherever it needs to be covered. And, and uh, God's just blessed us. Um, I've always said this, if I've had the wonderful opportunity to be in different ministries, <clears throat> me and Mona, <clears throat> Excuse me. Me and Mona, we worked in, I mean, we lived and worked in uh, Hawaii um, in our younger years, in our married life. And that led us to a wonderful church in, in Honolulu and got us started in the ministry that brought us back to California. And whenever we were here, um, I ended up uh, um, youth pastoring in a, in a church here in Selma. And that led me to... Um, taking a position with Jim Franklin at Cornerstone. And that's where our story begins. And so uh, it's been a great run. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had wonderful opportunities where I met uh, um, Pastor Rod Harrow and me and him worked together and pioneered the worship center. Um, we also had a ministry stint out in Exeter. And so it's just, we've been here in the Central Valley. Um, Rod co-pastors, uh, here in our assemblies up right there in, on, on uh, Manning Avenue and, and Fowler. Mm -hmm. I'm just south of him right here in Selma. So, and Pastor Jim is right there in Fresno. So we're around all of our people that we've been around our whole lives and our, our whole ministry life. And it's hard to believe, but we've been pastoring now, I think going into our 35th year wow. or 30 years or so. Yeah. But um, um, it's been great. It's been a wonderful uh, um, time. and. But it was whenever God called me to uh, Cornerstone that was completely blindsided me because out of every place we resumed, we didn't resume Cornerstone. 
And um, I came home one day and she stepped out and she says, uh, there's a pastor from Fresno wants you, said he's gonna call you at six o'clock. And, and I remember this distinctly, I know he wouldn't remember it, but, and I, and I looked and I thought, well, that's like in a minute. It was like right fixing the kid up at six o'clock. It was yeah. dead on, and and the phone rang. This one we used to have, uh, we used to have uh, phones on the wall. And, yeah, hardwired. Uh, yeah, so I ran in the yeah. house and and you know, <laughs> took the phone call, and it was uh, Pastor Franklin, and he wanted to know if I would come and, and have a sit down with him. And a long story short was I had been, I had actually been scheduled to go that week to Las Vegas. There's a big AG church out there. They wanted to bring me and Mona in and spend a, a week in their ministry mm-hmm. and go through church. They're there just uh, lay under, the, under the, the cover. In other words, no one would know that except for I would be visiting like yeah. a visitor. And uh, I did the same thing at Cornerstone. <clears throat> and, and so we decided, we just thought, and uh, I'm going to just say this, Mona didn't want nothing to do with that. She's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 nope. And... And, uh, but it, it became, big. yeah, it, it became a, a big blessing to yeah. us. And, but we were used to building, you know, pretty good sized youth ministries for our, our area. And here in Selma, we were over a hundred kids in, yeah. a, in a town like this. And so, but so happens, Pastor Franklin had gotten a hold of my resume um, through a evangelistic organization at the time, it was called Shake the Nations. Mm, yeah, and he said, he gave him that. And I, cause I just like, how did you get my, cause I, I had not resumed to, I didn't know, not because I didn't want to be there, it's because Cornerstone wasn't on my radar. Yeah. You know, I didn't know they were looking for anyone and come to find out that uh, there were several uh, um, applications for that position. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. You know, he asked me if, if uh, I'd pray about it. I did and I started feeling really connected there and I thought, it would be a great step into the next step of ministry. Um, I learned a lot about feeding the homeless stuff here in Selma that we have today, but we didn't have, you know, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. In this, in this, if there was, it was very unknown. Mm-hmm. In uh, you know your Fowler Kingsburg Selma area, and but uh, went up there and was just an eye opener to be able to work in that format. And uh, so it was a great, and then I became the associate uh, over youth ministries and college and career. And, and uh, there was a young man in our youth group that was uh, a mess, just a mess. And uh, I was, oh, oh, I was trying not to incriminate anybody. I've, I've, I've learned to accept my incriminations of myself. You know, but I remember those times, you know, because I remember when uh, Pastor Jerry's, uh, he was just leaving. I was 17, 17, 17 years. Old. It was funny. I was telling Lily because last night, obviously, you were practicing with her last night. And I was a pastor. Marty never sat down. Now you're like 20, 25. I'm so 42, you know, but I'll tell you, Pastor Marty never taught me guitar. And so I heard sit down. You know, I just watched him because he was always on the go. I was like, you know, the way we did ministry back then was like. This train ain't slowing down. Let's, you know, and it's, it's still like, my, that's, it still is. I, did, I, did I tell you that, Lily? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I didn't tell you that last night, this train's moving through the yeah. de- through the train depot. Jump so, on her. Well, that's what I'm saying. I learned by watching you in my whole life ministry leading up to where Pastor Jerry was um, leaving and you guys came. You know, I, I think that's where my obviously that's where my life changed, you know, big time meeting both of you guys and um, and I know Mona, Mona, you're nodding. You kind of, I felt like you kind of started 
<laughs> remembered the feelings of like Cornerstone yeah. and maybe. Yeah, no, I, I learned a lot at Cornerstone. That was, it was big ministry. Um, but, and then my boys were really small. Babies. Babies. And, um, he was an infant. Yeah. But I, I, that was where I really learned. I learned that, um, you can do a lot of kids and you can do the food and, um, even with babies, you can do it. And I had a lot of help. I had a lot of ladies that helped. So I just learned a lot. That was a, that was a time in my life. You know, every, every situation, every church you go to, there's something to learn. And it, and it moves you a step up and prepares you for the next step. I know, weren't you guys living in Kingsburg? Or yes, we yeah. lived yeah. well out right on the ranch where we are today. So that was a big deal for us to That's drive all the way in. on those, dually, right? Yeah, on, yeah, on all those hours that uh, um, Cornerstone demanded from us. Um, um, but I happened to live so far out. So it was at, at, at an early time in our lives, we were commuting. We were just always on the road, going back and forth to all the things that uh, we were involved with. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to say something. Um, Jim and Cindy Franklin are just part of that part in my, in, in my life that, that right at the time I needed to really kind of take that, what we call a master class. Um, that was a master class for me. And uh, though I knew what I was doing in my, for, for my format, I could see the senior pastoring and how you manage those type of things and learning from that. And it allowed me to do what we do uh, today mm -hmm. and stuff. So, well, I remember a lot of that, you know, because again, one thing I love about Pastor Franklin and you, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of respect for pastors, but one thing I, the reason why I followed you and respect Jim Franklin was because you guys actually did the work. You didn't just show up. All right, give me my mic. Make sure my mic's hot. You know, you guys were digging the ditches. It reminds me of that movie Kingdom of Heaven where Balian's yeah. out there just digging ditches. Yeah. You don't know who's a landowner. He's dirty like everyone else. Yeah. And that's why. It's still that way today. Yeah. It's still that way. To, you can see I got my work. Well, I didn't. I put on my best boots I got. Yeah. But uh, I mean, nice um, for the usually pot. I'm always on. I tried to dress my best for. For you, Jose. But that's why I. That's why I show up everywhere yeah. is in, in work boots and and Levi's and stuff because I'm always working. And not only that, I want to be prepared to work. You know, now Sundays, you know, we come dressed for church, but yeah. I usually am always dressed ready for work because you never know whenever you got to do something. And man, I don't own a pair of Dockers or slacks <clears throat> like that or dress shoes and things like that. And not that I am. Any pastor, I get that. That's a wonderful thing, um, but that just doesn't fit my mm -hmm. format because I just I'm I get in hands on um, here in this. You know, you were back whenever we yeah. we got this place in twelve, and and we were all hands on. You know, yeah. this isn't contractors. We built this. The, the church people came in and got this uh, this uh, this place up and running and stuff. But uh, zoom out, Lily, and take the wide shot to the top. You'll see like what Pastor Marty's talking about. You know. All the way out, baby. Oh, okay. Tilt up. Yeah. Up. See. Tilt up. Are you locked? Yeah. I mean, you see in the stage, go to the rafters up top. Yeah, we took all that. We yeah. opened, if you remember, we took this ceiling down, um, the open volume ceiling and, Look at that. and stuff. It's, you know, it's so, um, we think we have one of the most beautiful churches around, you know. I mean, uh, this was a mess when we bought it with yeah. all the drug addicted people and it was uh, the squatters, base huh? yeah there's squatters in it and there was a meth lab in it and stuff so um for god to turn that around and things like that but 
You know, back whenever um, I became your youth pastor, and uh, those were amazing times because um, there's a different culture, a different system. Mm-hmm. You know, and I came in with a worship team that was playing worship music into an organization that it was all rap music. You know? Yeah, that's and, right. uh, and and which is, was was fine, but it's like, you know, I remember one of one of uh, the young men came and says, I think I was my first week, I was there, or second week says, uh, Pastor Marty, are you gonna always, are you gonna play? <laughs> I mean, people don't do this anymore, but he goes, are you going to play, always play the white people's worship? And I was like, what? And he goes, well, I mean, we don't, we, we don't sing white people worship. And I, I was like, well, I says, and I, I told him, I says, you see my two little boys, don't you? And they like, oh yeah, you got cute little boys. And I says, they love M&Ms. They call them mum-mums, you know, but yeah. they go, I says, they love M&Ms, mum-mums. And I says, they'll eat mum-mums from sun up to sundown. They won't stop eating M&Ms. And I said, do you think I should feed them M&Ms all the time? Or do you think I should give them a balanced diet? And he goes, a balanced diet. I said, that's why I'm here. (laughs) That's why I'm here. And I said, to give you a balanced diet. Mm -hmm. And we never did. If you remember, we never stopped that. I mean, if you throw a rock at Cornerstone back then, I had a a group that was a rap group, you know? And we would open up the platform, let them come up. They'd come up like, hey, tonight we have so-and-so, and they're going to be coming up and rapping, all that type of stuff. We never wanted to ever change any of that. We just wanted to bring a different element and say, we want you to learn how to come mm-hmm. and, you know, and worship at youth level. It doesn't have to be in the big church. You can worship here and be broke before yeah. the Lord. And that's where you, know, um, you came on as a, uh, was you the drummer or the bassist? I never played an ounce of worship until we came here. Well, you were you were playing. I was a drummer back then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and I got I got yeah. I got kicked and, out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> that soundboard's calling your name. <laughs> and I'm a drummer, you know. <laughs> and so and I, that's all I did all my life was play drums, and I was like, no, yeah, get that guy no. off. <laughs> We got to move you to tambourine, man. What's <laughs> going on? Bell. <laughs> Cowbell. <laughs> the wood block. <laughs> Go find your own block. But uh, no, I mean, you were just like everybody else. You came along real quick. And the, the system I've always been with with young people is I'm at that time, I mean, I'm strong enough to carry the worship. Yeah. If I got a piece or two around me, I'm strong enough to carry that from the guitar. Um, you just play along and don't. Don't try to mess it up. Just mm-hmm. kind of follow and play it. And eventually you end up, you know, having musicians. You're surrounded by young musicians, yeah. you know. And uh, both of my boys started on my worship team at nine and <clears throat> eight, nine, ten years of I age. Well, Ko, he, he, I think six seven. or seven. Yeah. And he was on he the was, bass. Yeah, he playing. And, and uh, so, I mean, these were just little guys, you know. Of course, I wouldn't use, you know, at the uh, on the Sunday services children like that. But back when we were pioneering the worship, I mean, uh, the Christ-driven, uh, uh, our church here after we were out of the worship center, um, you know, I just had to use any tools I could get. And my sons, man, it's like, you guys are big enough to hold instruments. You're going to help me yeah. and stuff. And Mona was playing keyboards. And so yeah. um, we just made it work, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my giftings is I've always been able to take young people and put out really a pretty nice worship presentation or product, you want to call it that, um, with people that don't really know 
very much about their instrument or would really be called a musician. Mm -hmm. They're always a student. We have that today and we're still such an amazing sound today in our worship, but we have students. You know, we have yeah. people that, uh, a young lady playing bass here that we just hung a bass on her two and a half years ago. She never had an instrument on her, on her at all. And we said, you're the new bassist. And we hung a bass five string. Yeah. And now she plays in the city and the community for Church of Selma United and stuff like that. We just began last night uh, with uh, your daughter, Lily, mm -hmm. and, and with a guitar, bringing her along. Same thing with uh, my daughter-in-law. She started with us at the age of 13 um, singing and playing guitar because I've, I moved to a different format where, you know, I don't use singers. I, everybody on your, your musicians are your musicians and singers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I know you're going to want a microphone after that, but nevertheless, but uh, I'm going to get one. <laughs> I got to level up. I got to work my way. You know, but listening to all this, one thing I've always loved growing up, because even like last week, worship practice, because I want to get into a lot of the reason why, you know, I'm here, I'm back. And, you know, even openly talk to you about a lot of our experiences together, because I really I feel I really believe this whole conversation is going to lead up to, you know, why, why I 100% believe God is the God of reconciliation, you know, and how, you know, when God puts something together, you know, when, you know, when he calls us, you know, the devil tries to divide, you know, and we as just human beings, he doesn't short. try, he successfully, yeah, or he, or he, he, yeah, divides. he does, you know, and so, I want to get get up to all that, you know, but, you know, again, I followed your worship because, again, it was different. Me and TJ, you know, I remember working with you and TJ at Cornerstone a yeah. lot, you know, and we just we're still need, dear friends. And yeah, when we're together or Christmases or things mm -hmm. like that, it's always uh, it's always like nothing ever changed, mm -hmm. you know, and we still communicate probably once a month, maybe. Yeah, he you know, watches yeah, him. Yeah. I had him on the yeah. show. So, you know, he said hi, by the way. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, because I think last Christmas. Yeah, TJ before yeah. me. Yeah, we weren't, we were still beefing. No, no. <laughs> Street beefs, church beefs, nah. But, but again, we talking, man, same thing. We picked up where we left off. We were talking about memories. Um, I have this board at home or this wall I made. My guests, they'll sign it. He put Cornerstone 1997, you know, was his signature, TJ De La Garza. You know, it's just good times back then. You know, and that's where, again, I started following your format, your style. And then, um, you know, after you left Cornerstone, I left Cornerstone. Well, let me, here, here's what happened is I knew God was calling me to something oh, yeah, different. Yeah, I knew that. that way. And I didn't want to leave. In fact, it broke my heart. Um, a lot of people don't know this. My wife does. Is I sit in the sound booth of our youth building and I looked around and I thought to myself, God, this is everything I ever would ever want as in a youth ministry. He said, this isn't your this is not your your road you're man that's crazy you know this yeah. is not your road and i thought but i want it to be my road this is what i want to do and i wanted to stay but i just felt like god just kept telling me i've got something for you and then it was reminded me when i was six years old or seven uh an evangelist that i highly regard have always a missionary always my life and it was a uh, elderly uh ladies named Fisher and Cheek, that were dear friends of my grandparents who were Assemblies of God pastors. They'd come and they would just, they did ministry back, I mean, when um, missionary stuff with yeah. people. I mean, I mean, these, these were hardcore missionary women. And, and to me, these, they were elderly women, you know, but they're probably 50s and 60s and stuff like that. But they had the hair and the bun and the long dresses. 
But she came up to my mom one night, Sister Fisher did, and she just came over and laid hands on me. She said, Pauline, and she said, this is going to be your pastor. Mm. Well, in 2015, my mother passed away, went to be with the Lord in this sanctuary. She didn't die here in the sanctuary, but we had her services here. And uh, she went to be with the Lord in 2015 as one of my parishioners. Not only that, my dad also passed away and uh, he was one of my parishioners. So in the cycle of life and what God brought me around to was I end up being the pastor of my father and my mother mm -hmm. that have no connection in life together at all ever back in 1958 when I was born mm -hmm. and stuff. So they have never been together my whole life. And so both of my parents ended up in the same church attending with me yeah, and as that. a family. And both of them finally, you know, they went on to be with the Lord. But uh, those type of things, and it reminded me of those things. So when I was at Cornerstone, I just thought, you know, right, you know, Lord, if this is what we're doing. And so I ended up being out there kind of with no, nothing. I didn't resume anywhere. I know people think I did, but I didn't resume anywhere. But Pastor Rod knew that I was now what you would say, I guess, in the church world, a free agent. Yeah. You know, what uh, year was this, though, when this uh, went down again? I'm going to say 2000. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was I was there in 98, 99, and 2000 and stuff. So February of 2000, I joined with me. And, and so I didn't feel like I was called out to Exeter, but I didn't know where I was going to go at the yeah. time. And I just told Pastor Rod, who I love him and Gina dearly, I said, if you need help, I'll come help you. And that ended up being a six-year stint of, of us being together. Um, stuff, something in there, somewhere around five to six years. But we were out at Exeter, and the two of us came into Fowler one day, drove around, and we began to stake out prayers and just began to pray for stuff. And we went out, and uh, we, I said, that's the place right there. And that was the, the Fowler Casino. Man. And uh, little, little did we know that God had a plan. And now the worship center is in Fowler, right there, what used to be the old Fowler Casino. Mm -hmm. So um, God's used me for a lot of great opportunities and things like that. When I was at Cornerstone, I was privileged to be able to help Pastor Franklin usher in a different uh, time. Uh, you remember whenever I came to Cornerstone, we were still using bulletins to sing off of. Yeah, and, I remember uh, that. Just It was at that moment of time of technology. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and here you have all of this technology, and I don't know a thing about what you, it is. But, <laughs> but back then, you know, it was like... It's almost like seems like a flashlight and batteries was technology, you know, but, uh, you know, but anyways, I feel like I'm talking all the time, no, but, well, but the bottom is that that brought us to us, to me yeah, and you. Yeah, it's good history. And then, well, then whenever we did this, we pioneered in Mother's Day of 2006, Christ Driven Assembly of God in, in the city of Fowler, which has migrated yeah. um, south, um, all the way south. About five miles. <laughs> Pretty far. About five miles. Um, right well, here off the 99 freeway. We're about 500 feet off the 99 freeway here at 2nd Street. And mm -hmm. uh, gave us this wonderful property. We own the block. And uh, I mean, if you zoom out or go to, uh, Lily, go up to the monitors up there. See if we can get that. You can see the, the church building, you know, at night, if you can see that. Yeah, um, zoom in on the Is that tight as you can get? That's tight as you can get? Okay, yeah, but you see that, you know, but like you said, in Fowler, when you're at the worship center, that's where you met 
the Flamings, you know, Laura and because you know, I mean, Laura. Well, we were still a pioneer work. Yeah. Whenever uh, Sean and Letty and, and the, his daughters, they came to church there. We began to know them and they became, we became good friends, but we were still in the school. Yeah. So uh, when we, Sean is still in those newspaper clippings, him and Letty, when we walked into the, the casino. Um, I called them. I says, I need you to meet me at the casino because we're fixing to walk through that thing and take Dang, the keys cool. and stuff. And so I still have those newspaper clippings of all of us sitting at those uh, card tables and stuff yeah. like that and stuff. So that was even before um, um, the worship center on Manning. We were using a school mm -hmm. and uh, the Sutter, Sutter Junior yeah. High. And so when we got established there, um, me and you and some of uh, the folks that, you know, had been connected to me or Rod uh, earlier in, in ministries had kind of connected up. You became a big part of our ministry and uh, you and Laura um, began to, um, <clears throat> against my better judgment, see each other. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. I'm 100%. To we're... us, Laura was very, very special. And yeah. you were just Jose from... In the, from the hood, man. Jose, Jose in the way. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, no, it all worked out. You have, man. Your family is, is amazing. And, Thank you. Uh, I well, I want to say that to me is the reason. Because, again, like many people, man, you know, we rush in life. You know, can't be patient. We were, I heard a pastor talk about, you know, what the church is called for. You know, the church is not called for you to have a, you know, I forgot how he said, like a 10 step program, you know, how to do your finances. You know, you gotta be, you know, you gotta go out and learn yourself, you know? And so one thing I just, we rushed in life, but you know, I knew day one, I was gonna marry her, but my patience, my immaturity, you know? And I feel like what I, I've always known, I want, I would love for Laura to be stay at home mom. I want our kids to be homeschooled and I, I stapled my whole life around that. You know, great examples are you guys. I've always said, if you guys can do it, then we can do it. You know, and I think that's kind of how I felt like towards you. I was like, well, if Pastor Marty can do it, then I can do it. You know, if he can play football out there with us and, you know, <laughs> run me over, I can probably run him over. You know, but, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you were a different type of pastor. And it was, it was amazing to know that I, that's what I follow. You know, and that's why I feel like I want you on the podcast, man, because out of all that that happened, you know, all I'm thinking about from Cornerstone, you know, even before, because I didn't know you before Cornerstone, but Cornerstone Worship Center, now here Christ Driven, everything that God used you guys for was, it was, it was big. Well, you know? I want people to know this. <clears throat> You're, you and Laura are part of the pioneering of, yeah. <clears throat> you are the, the, the ground floor. Yeah. Um, you know, Though we may go somewhere else or do other things, <clears throat> I'm not with, you know, my first church and I'm not with Jim Franklin or Rod Harrow anymore. Yeah. You know, and um, whatever route that happens on, um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, you, um, Sean and Letty, um, great pioneers of this work. I mean, those are the people, if you watch our anniversary, which you might put that up, you know, our anniversary yeah. video, um, you'll see shots of, of, uh, of uh, everybody in that. Um, just those original people that worked hard for the people that attend now. Um, 
they may not work very, in fact, some didn't at all. They, they just came to this church. Yeah. But somebody has to be that, that start, that beginning and uh, for, for the future generations. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not going to be the last guy that pastors here unless Jesus comes, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, I realize that there's someone after me. And so you have to prepare the ground for the good soil. Mm -hmm. And whenever you guys began, and Laura, she was on our worship team. She was doing children's ministry. Um, I had you working probably way more than, you know, I think I told you that when you guys first started coming. I said, you said that about how pastors can be. I yeah. says, always remember, pastors can abuse you mm -hmm. because it's their nature. What it means is when you're talented or you have gifts, because I know, I was a, I'm that guy. Yeah. I was a talented guy. And so I knew that the things that I was building were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, the things that were at the worship center or things that you remodel or buildings you build, you know, but I was just getting youth pa pastor wages. Yeah. And I was good with that because that's what I looked at as God, whatever I am, it's yours. And if I can help build that, I'm good with that. And if my talents can be used, then mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. But in the same thing, Pastors do that, you know, that's just what we are. We're, we're yeah. looking for talented people that will come in and, 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 and I don't know if this is a good word, but almost exploit people's yeah. talents. And because you want people to, to grow in their talents at the same time, it, it almost becomes more and more and more, almost mm -hmm. like a drug to pastors. Yeah. I think that's what I was telling you and Laura about. And, and as we started this, not only am I a new senior pastor at the time, but I have this major construction project going on as well as other projects going on because my background is general construction. And um, as a full-time pastor, still to this day, people ask me to build. In 2016, I finished, 15, 16, I finished the Emanuel Sports Complex, mm -hmm. um, built that. That's all the football stadiums, tennis courts, all the ball diamonds, um, track, you know, uh, I mean, it's, if, if you've been out there, yeah. it's, it's an amazing facility. And at the same time, I was building uh, Bravo Farms um, out at uh, 99 and I-5, the Bravo Farms area, which yeah. is my family's ownership, but it's leased to Bravo. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, I was like, Marty, would you come out and help us on this with your expertise? Yes. And so same thing with Emmanuel. And so I used my gifts of building and talents. If I could help Pastor Franklin or build a brand new youth facility, I'm gonna do it. If I can help Pastor Rod with my, my abilities, I'm gonna do it. Because I feel like God's gifted me that way and he has never ever left me and her abandoned, Amen. never left us hungry. You know, we have, uh, we took Amen. our first job for free. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally our senior pastor says, I need you full time, but we can't pay you. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and went home and told her, I says, here it is. We're stepping out into ministry. And, uh, and there was no paycheck. They said, we'll let you drive the church van and give you a tank of gas. So for all the way through the boys were born, we were driving the church van and we started our ministry and we didn't know we were poor. We just thought we were blessed, you know, coming and going because we were, we were doing ministry. We were around kids. We were going to camps. We were just we didn't know, know anything, but we were blessed. Amen. And for us to be blessed, it doesn't take money. Mm -hmm. And our church knows that here. I'm still not a full-time staff member. Mm -hmm. Never have been. You know, I've never been that way. And so as a, as a startup pastor, moving from what my, my specialty was, youth ministries and things like that, and construction and, and development, all of a sudden uh, there was no more of uh, going 
go talk to the pastor. You know, pastor, right. you know people come yeah. up and go, you know, this is happening, this is happening, you need to go talk to the pastor. You know, all of a sudden it was, you know, this happened, this, so you know what? Oh, I am the pastor, like, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, those, those days for me and her, for me and Mona, were a real big growing thing. And I unfortunately didn't have the maturation process to be able to see the people that were in, that God had placed in my hands. I didn't see the ability to ba basically understand how to work with them. Um, I, and I'm just gonna say what I told you. My relationship with you was more like a son yeah. versus a parishioner. I saw you as like one of my kids. Mm -hmm. So the respect level was, you know, again, you know, I would, I was more, always mad at you versus, you know, conversation. It's like, why do you act that way? Why don't you stop? You know, those type of things. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until years later. And, and the fact that I, I thought to myself, I... I wished, I do this all the time. I wished I was the pastor I am today. And I'm mm. sure every pastor thinks this way, mm -hmm. that, that I wished I am today. And I'm, I'm, I'm still growing at this. Don't get me wrong, yeah. Brother Jose. I, I am, and both of us are. We learn every day. But I wished I was yeah. back then what I am today. Yeah. I'm more mellow, more patient, more easygoing. That's why Lily didn't get the, this train's moving, jump on or get off, you know? <laughs> and I did, and I just worked with her last yeah. night and just kept playing. And, and I felt like this, I felt like she, is she getting <clears throat> tired of working with me? You know, am I wearing her out type of a thing? You know, are you okay? Is this too much for you to learn on the guitar right now? Mm -hmm. Those type of things, instead of um, like it, you know, yeah, well, hey, one thing we're I, moving. This 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 machine's moving. Mm -hmm. You know, you asked, do you want to be on it? I mean, you know that. Uh, yeah. Laura knows that when when her sister and, and Frank come, Pastor Marty, can we sing on the worship team? I said, no, can you? She said, yeah, we can sing. And I says, let me hear you. And they go, not right now. And I said, well, when you can, you come tell me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember that. I was well, like, <laughs> that's one thing I loved about you because again, in my experience, when I was at Cornerstone before you, they did really, youth ministry was awesome. I love Pastor Jerry, still one of my dearest friends. Um, but when you came, it just, again, you had this thing about you where you leveled up people and you made people think, I got to grow, you know, because this thing is growing. And that's <clears> the mentality <throat> we had back then, and even at the worship center. Again, I, we didn't know anybody that was running eight, 900,000 students every Thursday, nine buses going to all these cities here in the Central Valley. And you move, and you. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. No, I remember one night, but, uh, nine uh, buses, for, remember? Uh, yeah, but I think our biggest number is right just under 800. Um, that was pretty, seven to 800 kids all the time. But it's crazy. Though. But still, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Laura, you have a mic too, Laura. I know I we know, can't I'm see you. I'm using it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but again, I, again, then even, even coming here, doing what you're doing again, it's a level of ministry that I've, I've always held myself to. Um, cause again, I'm back playing drums with you, you know, I'm pro possibly playing guitar soon. And, um, what we played, uh, take me in and I did that one part, just do, do, do. And it's like, you're all finally, like somebody knows, <laughs> you know? So my whole life ministry is based off what I've seen you do, you know? And I think, you know, perfect segue too. before before we get to that, you know, but like, you know, Sister Mona hearing all this, you know, kind of like, so I just, you know, Sister Mona's just working in the back, doing this with the kids, you know, and but you were doing a lot of behind the scenes, the the, the foundational support. Some a lot of people don't realize about her is and she can address this. Please. She won't yeah. say this is that 
at Cornerstone, she run a 300 kids mm -hmm. with an infant on her hip and yeah. a, a year and a half, two year old running around her feet. I remember And that. serving all you guys mm -hmm. in the restaurant and cooking for you. Cause we cooked. Yeah. There was meals every, every, every and week. then when we got to the worship center and we're there running seven, 800 kids and she's doing the food services and still at that time, my boys were two and three years old yeah. and stuff. And she's running around with my boys, keeping them corralled while she's taking care yeah. and feeding that. It's kind of a funny thing today because we hear all these people go, oh, I'm so big. I, I know. They, they're like, huh? My kids we got 12 with... kids and I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, really? My kids are a little I mean, loud. We're we were running them. nine buses, a, yep. a skate park, inflatables, basketball court. Four game room. I mean. Big as this, yeah. one room was like, oh. A lot of a lot people can. Yeah, a lot. I mean, maybe go over kind of like what you, like you've been hearing Pastor Marty talk about and like your role and how, you know, the support system, because that's huge, you know? You know, I, a lot of that was um, another, that was good because of Cornerstone, I learned how to do a lot of kids. So I feel like that prepared me uh, for the worship center when we had such a big youth group. And part of that was, um, I think a lot of it was just trusting that um, those kids loved my boys. And so I, I trusted in that and because they were everywhere. I can't say that I always knew exactly where they were at um, because that was quite a bit of food that we got going and tried to do something, you know, every night. But um, they loved to jump on that stage and, and, <laughs> and you know, the kids loved them. The, the, the teenagers loved them. They took care of them. They were carrying them or always seeing to them. So I really felt secure yeah. that the kids would take care of them. You know, you guys loved them. And so I never had any fear of uh, them being in the wrong place. Um, they were always, you know, they would always come and check in, yeah. you know, and then dad would be on stage. So um, they found their way around and, and I learned you know, it's just like I said, it's step by step by step. You learn how to do bigger ministries, um, but that helps. It yeah. helps you Could grow. Could you imagine doing Leap of Faith today? Oh, man, everyone yeah, be... Yeah. Yeah. We told the kids, they're like, you did what? <laughs> yeah, we told Leap of Faith. We stage dived, you know, yeah. like I remember... And it was always a surprise. Yeah, we would, It'd be in a message or we'd be someplace where no one expected. We'd go, Leap of Faith, oh, and yeah. the, the, the music would just kick, the lights would Fire go off. And they would, 200 kids would run up on the platform and start diving off into the yeah. crowds and stuff. And it was different it was time, you know. And I remember, yeah, like you said, Kaloha, like it was a video where you're preaching or doing during worship or something. He's just crawling the stage. He grabbed like something. He grabbed the microphone and got mic. That's right. He, he grabbed my mic. And I was like, who was to know that? Yeah, I mean, I love I big times. Well, see, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Because again, I remember, and I was telling, was it last week, a worship team? It's like, you guys don't know who you're sitting under, you know? It's like, this is vintage Pastor Marty, you know, <laughs> le levels of worship and ministry were professional. They don't you care. Know, I, well, <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. You know, but again, it's just I've dad or, or my father-in-law, yeah. they don't care. Well, again, but that's what I'm saying. And, and, and that's where I feel like a lot of this time is missing, you know, and we're in a different culture, different era, you know. But again, before we get into all that, I mean, because again, I remember you two as a solid uh, team, you know, that God called you guys and look, it changed my life and thousands upon thousands. I really believe people that young people, you, lives you've changed, you know, 
And I think now being back here, because we left like 12 years ago, we left and wasn't so great standings. You know, we've already amended, we prayed, we've talked, you know, because, you know, time's getting short, you know, now that we're back here, you know, we had, you know, we had a lot of time apart, you know, and I, I if I, if I, I was telling even Laura today before the podcast, you know, just driving here, I was like, that's because you owed me a hundred bucks and wouldn't pay me back. Did I? I was like, well, I was like, well. <laughs> but I was like, if I told her, I was like, you know, if I really didn't care, I wouldn't be this angry at Pastor Marty or whatever. But it's like, yeah, I was like, when I love you carry it, it yeah. you care. Yeah. And you know something? You just got to make it right. For you and Laura both is we knew that the whole time. Mm -hmm. We always knew that. And, and uh, there really wasn't a time we didn't think this is not going to come you know, to an end that there will be some type. And that's why I was so excited that day I saw you mm -hmm. depart. I was like, I was what in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I knew you were still upset, you know, yeah. but it's like, but as God began to chip away at, 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 <laughs> at all of it, you know, because um, I'm not going to say, you know, for me, no one's going to put me in hell, you yes, know. That's, uh, no one's put me there. Amen. Unforgiveness is not allowed, amen. you know, a bitterness. But I'm not going to tell you that everything felt good. Yeah. But you just go, it's okay. You know, Lord, you know, this is, your word says this, and I'm going to follow your word. But through that process, as we began to work together from different, as you were filming and helping other organizations and stuff like that, it gave just an opportunity just to be around you guys and just, and like, how you doing? How you you know, I was surprised. I don't know if they ever, if they still do, if they just say they do, if, <laughs> that the kids even remembered who I was, you know, but because, uh, like, small. remember the first time we got Caleb to, to walk out of yeah. the fireworks booth? Yeah. We kept pushing like that. Finally started walking, yeah. you know, and that's on the uh, Clove Avenue. <clears throat> well, that's what I'm saying. And now that Caleb's first steps, you know, back. and the yeah. kids and, you know. Well, they remember. Yeah. I know they do, you know, because um, we may have a picture. were a little bit older. Well, we have a picture. Yeah, but they're of born in this church. Yeah, I know. All, his, all your whole family was mm -hmm. born here. Yeah, and stuff. So you know, I mean, um, well, so far, I mean, Lord, I know we can't see you, but maybe you can take seven on you. Just go to your shot. Um, but like, what do you think so far? You know, working with Pastor Marty. Um, I don't like that shot. Maybe talk a little bit louder. I'm just gonna go here because I don't like that shot. No. Um. Yeah, the kids remember. I feel like it was just their foundation. You know, it's. When they first came here, it was like muscle memory, kind of like, mm. oh, yeah, I know this song. <laughs> they knew all the songs. And wow. um, it was just a, just a blessing, well, yeah. really. Anybody watching is going, so they're playing the same old songs. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was actually, it was refreshing. Yeah, it was. I felt, well, I mean, like we talked about this and it's like being back now, you know, again, shout out to other churches and ministries and people doing their thing, man. That's their vibe. That's their 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 ministry, which is never set. Just never set because I knew we're just so used to you guys and Christ driven church and stuff. And now that we're back, you know, it's like we've talked so many times, you know, and Sister Mona, you even told us we went to Denny's, you know, it's time to move forward. You know, and you apologize. It's like, man, Sister Simone, you don't have to apologize. I never had, you know, it was you, me. You, you know, it's I know, me, you know. But it's, it's, it's yeah, just but making it right. Here's yeah. where no we're, matter what. we're at. Yeah. Here, and it's I want you guys right. to, to listen to yeah. me. Listen to my heart. Because this came through years of uh, figuring this stuff out. Is people might react wrong, 
but then you have to own the thing, thing of well, like why did they act that way? Mm-hmm. You know, why did they do that? What pushes them to to be that way? Yeah. And then you have to go well. You know, I could have handled that so much different. Yeah. You know, we could have as a ministry team handled it so much different. But one of the cool things is is that you guys got away for a while, got a chance to, you know, r- start raising your family. When you come back, now we get to have that wonderful connection of pastor and and I don't want to put it as a level of parishioner, but that wonderful thing of pastor and your family versus, you know, you know, calling you up on the phone and said, did you do what I told you to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you get that done? Well, how come you acted that way? How come you? And, you know, it was more of, of a father arguing and yeah. bickering with his son. Mm-hmm. And that time away gave me a chance to be able to see you different. Yeah. And to see how successful you've become and to see um, um, how you've taken, you know, your, again, I'm going to say this. Uh, um, both of us as men have our mistakes. 100%. But I say this all the time. You want to know the character of a man? Look at his children. Mm. You have amazing kids. Thank you. And people say that about us too. You know, we've never gone through any type of addictions, our boys acting out. We've never had them sneaking away or running with the wrong crowd. They've always served God. Mm. You know, they've always and continue to. And, and uh, my oldest is my associate today, and his yeah. wife is our church secretary and musicians, as I spoke earlier. But now I see that in your generations as they're coming along and stuff like that and getting involved and yeah. stuff. What uh, maybe everybody behind the cameras doesn't see is his whole family is running all these cameras mm-hmm. and doing all these shots and stuff like that. So um, right now in, this, in your podcast, um, Laura's sitting here, and Kalani is, and Caleb are here, yeah. and Lily's up on a on a on a Way balcony shot, yeah, and stuff. So that's an amazing thing, you mm-hmm. know. That right now you're working as a family together, mm-hmm. and man, I can't be more prouder than you and Laura. And uh, I mean, I say that from the bottom of my heart. You know, one of the best things I heard on the Sunday Resurrection Sunday when you guys came, and you came and visited, and <clears throat> and. Or you, you said you were coming to visit. I knew you were coming home. But nevertheless, you came. And when Kay Aloha started testifying, and he said, I just want to thank the, thank, I don't know what his words were. I thank the Lord that my old youth pastor is here today and, and recognized you yeah. as his uh, youth pastor. Yeah. And I thought, that meant, I know that has to mean a lot to, to Jose and Laura and, uh, and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, and, and it's not like we lost any time or anything like that. It's just um, there is time. But, I mean, we picked up exactly where we kind of where it all left off. Yeah. Just in, in a better situation. Well, I think that's what we talked about going forward. You know, and I feel like that's one of the main things that's important. Because, Simona, like you were saying, there's just no time. You know, it's not worth my salvation. And <clears throat> I would never say I fully walked away from God in my relationship, you know, just working. And, you know, we stopped going to church. It's just... We were doing it for 17, 18 years. And it's like, I need to go find myself. Because when I left here, I always left with the excuse of blaming others. You know, well, this person, that person, my siblings. When I got rid of that excuse and I was, it was just me and my family. 
I had to look in that mirror. No, it's you. You know, that's why I had to leave. That's why, because I need, I wanted God to show me, no, it's you. And to get rid of excuses, you know, and I think now that, you know, being back in ministry, because we've always, I kid you not, when we left Selma and we hopped out of church here, another church after we left here, and my intentions were wrong on that one, man. But leaving that, I had three or four other offers as a youth pastor. I didn't know people knew me. You know, but they heard about what we were doing here, but I turned them down. I wanted to, I couldn't just jump back into it because I wasn't right, you know, but coming back, you know, God always was tugging on my heart because I think about you guys a lot. You know, you guys are part of our lives. You changed my life. You, I'm at where I'm at. I, I work hard. I do this, you know, like I tell Laura, I was like, we need all this portable two times. Like you said, with your sound system. You know, that's just, I, that's Pastor Marty, that's Pastor Marty, that's Pastor Marty, you know, Sister Mona, that's Sister Mona. You know, now that we're back here, you know, God has really just, again, like Laura said, it's familiar, it made sense because one thing I appreciate about what you said, Sister Mona, we got back from Denny's, the kids were here on a youth night, and Sister Mona's like, time is wasting. You yeah, know? there's no more, there's no, no, don't waste no more time. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm here. You know, my my relationship with God has... I guess truly grew, like grew authentically. I didn't need ministry. I didn't need a position, a title. God had me for me, you know, and I think that's what I was missing because we were so focused on work. We were so fo focused on building next, the next thing or just building ministry that I was so fortunate and blessed to know that my kids were so young to not be at a teenager age and me, well, I'm doing it for God, but I'm not doing it at home first. And I think the years we were gone was the years I had time to build foundation. And then, well, both of us, you know, and Lily, man, she's like, Starbucks, nah, I'm good. Too woke. Disney, too woke. You know, they know, they know common sense. They know basic foundation, you know, especially just in life, but with God, you know, and I think what brought us back here was found a good solid foundation that was stilled in us because oh, really? again i never hated you guys i want to tell you guys that i did say a lot of stuff i spoke my experience never exaggerated you know came out it came from a position of hurt you know a lot of people want to speak their truth or their hurt you know but that's all they're speaking was from hurt not speaking from healing and i wasn't speaking from healing you know until god had to heal me of that and i believe that's why we're back you know and i think now with in saying that, you know, I know we're happy to be here. We're happy to be back. You know, we love you guys. I'm glad you guys are on the podcast, you know, and I know since we were gone, maybe we can turn this route, you know, because still here podcast is like, I like to tell the story of people still here moment. And you guys have faced a very traumatic situ life threatening situation in your family. And I, I got a call from brother Doug. It's like 10 to 11 o'clock at night. And, I called you right after we hung up and maybe let's tell that story. You know, I know a lot of people listening and watching are facing a lot of still here moments and, you know, let's get into that part of this podcast. Well, before we segue into something different, um, I, I want to add to that mm. is that whenever we talked and for you, Laura, um, I am so blessed and thankful that you spoke to me and told me your yeah. heart and how you felt. And it just really yeah. meant a lot to me because I did. And, and uh, uh, I just, again, 
You know, there was uh, the way that I, I handled that could have been a yeah. lot better because, and again, that's through hurt. Um, when you have a great ministry like we had and stuff and there's a, uh, some type of failure in it, you start wanting to do the blame game. Amen. And, and uh, so I just want to make big clear of that because if, is that, uh, man, uh, we love you guys. Uh, we truly do. Uh, my heart was just blessed uh, Sunday night when Lily, I think it was Lily or yeah, Kayla, Lily. Start, started praying and was so thankful for the reconciliation, Amen. you know, that has happened. And uh, that shows that, that your kids, my sons, and, you know, our families, they saw the need for that. Mm -hmm. There was a big need for that to move forward. So uh, we're just blessed by that. Yeah, and uh, you're right. I, mean, I feel like I'm just trying to rush it. I don't want to rush this, you know, but you're right. You know, and again, I, I, I thank God for you guys, you know. I mean, I mean, babe, I'm talking about this part of the of the pod and just coming back and, you know, maybe your heart on um, so far being here, being back and your growth and. Well, I again, I do. Uh, we never we left the church, but we didn't leave God. And I think God really just showed us how to be a family, like a unit together without um, other influences. Because we, we didn't just leave Selma, I mean, we left family too, because we had to learn how to be a family together, you know? And being, coming back, it's like, we're such a good unit. And, you know, my kids, they have talents, and it just, it blesses me to know that they could um, be raised up in a church that they can use their talents. And, and develop new talents. And that's what blesses me the most is I see a future for them here and it just blesses me. That's true. I mean, again, it's, I thank God, man, we're, we're like, we're here, we're still here now. We're still, you know, growing and, you know, we've reconciled a lot just being here since Easter or resurrection, it was in April, right? April, resurrection something? About four months now. Four months. You know, and it's like time's flying, you know, and I'm already playing drums, you know, I'm already up there. It's like, you know, I never want to be a goddess. That surprised me. It really yeah. did. That surprised me. <laughs> yeah. like, you ever going to give me a shot at the drums again? And it's like, well, let's go find out. Yeah. I walked up there. I was like, wow, he remembers all that drum. How we did it? It's good. We got, done, we got done. And I told Kay Aloha and goes, he sounded really good. And I was like. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it surprised me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I, 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 I hadn't played like in 11 years. It's a long time. It's, it's like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm thankful. I love you guys. And we're here, you know, we, we made the, the total commitment to be here. And you got to remember, this might be some of your gifts and your talents, mm -hmm. but your worship, instruments, mm -hmm. playing and singing to God. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing better than that. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's it getting plugged into that whole system and doing that. Not everybody's called to it. Everybody can, they can sing out here in the, in the seats too, yeah. you know, but, but when you have some talents and giftings, that's where, you know, one of the things is we've always done that here. We've mm -hmm. always like, well, come and see what you can do, you know, and, and uh, it's always worked that way, but you know, God's good. Yeah, well, amen. I mean, my audience that listen and watching, they just started hearing a lot about, me being a youth pastor and you know ministry church and you know, I used to be a pastor 
you're like a heathen, you know, he's <laughs> tell me that, you know, because you see. Well, we didn't have anybody yeah. else, so we just chose the heathen. <laughs> Isn't that like God <laughs> chose the foolish things of the world? <laughs> you know? They said, who are you going to pick? I said, just get the heathen. <laughs> right there, Jose. You know, but as season one, two, and three, and four happened, you know, I, I, I leave my podcast up to remind me of where God saved me from. I was really bitter. You know, I was really hurt, but just by a lot of things. And I would, you know, I would say even the majority of it was a self-infliction. You know, we're just, we walk away from that stuff. But now that we're getting to third, fourth season, we're in fourth season now, you know, it's like, man, God, you're good. You know, you're good. Cause live, I get all the time. And it's like, even when we're not at our finest, God's still good. And then a lot of people that listen and watch and they, they, they love this part of the show down where we're getting into the spiritual of like our, my relationship with God. And they're like, you have no idea of what, Jose, your, your, your relationship with family members, friends, you know, we went through that and how you're yeah. getting through it. It's, it's very, well, you know, because this is that type of discussion. I just mm -hmm. want to be clear out there is that, man, I love you all. Amen. <laughs> I love That's you true. all. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to heaven. And I hope everybody's going with me, mm -hmm. you know, me and Mona. And, man, there's, I want to say this is, uh, I don't know which camera I'm on right here. Uh, right here. This I'm just going to say this. If you're holding bitterness, you're basically taking massive portions of cyanide, mm -hmm. hoping it will kill someone else. It's killing you. I just want you to remember that. Spiritually, that is the key that you lock yourself in, away into your cell, away from Christ, away from the Holy Spirit, away from God, eternal salvation. You lock the key and then you throw it away out mm -hmm. the door. Don't be bitter. Amen. Be right with everybody. Doesn't Amen. mean everybody's gonna always see eye to eye, but make sure you don't carry bitterness and unforgiveness. Amen. It's just, it's a death sentence. And mm -hmm. like Mona said, it's just life's too short. Yeah. Life is too, you guys are still young people, but I'm gonna tell you, you get up 65, I'll be 65 this year. And uh, I was younger than you when I was your youth pastor, you yeah. know? So it's, it's come quick, mm -hmm. real quick. You know, I know there's people out there probably looking at this and going, man, that's Pastor Marty. Life ain't been good to him, you know, but, you know. Well, a lot of people know that. A lot of people, like, but the bottom line is, <laughs> Uh, I, I used to be young, but uh, <laughs> uh, but God's, you know, it's just Amen. when you get my age, you just slow down. You literally physically slow down and you see things different. You mm -hmm. just you're not in that big a hurry. Um, and, and I'm I'm a driven person. I mean, yeah. the name of our church is Christ driven and stuff. So, I mean, but I've gotten to where it's like somebody something happens just like. Oh, well, yeah, we'll figure it out, you know, I just. Just right now, mm -hmm. since we, you were setting up, I was on the phone having to deal with an issue. You know, just an issue. It has nothing to do with our church, has nothing to do with our family, but it has to do with a parishioner that's going through something with his family. Mm. And he's like, I don't know what to do. You know, yeah. So well, I I, I'm not going to have a place to live, be, live tonight. And I'm wow. just sitting right there. Really? And I'm having to deal with that while we're getting ready to, to, to do this podcast. And I thought to myself, all right, well, Lord, so we prayed. You know, and I prayed and I says, you know what? It's got to be in the, it's in the Lord's hands, man. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just, it is what it is. And 
And so those things happen. And um, I had the, I teach at Teen Challenge, me and my son, Kealoha, we're both uh, instructors at a Teen Challenge. And we teach out there uh, apologetics. And one of the young men asked me just Thursday, he says, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he says, when you're, everything is against you and the weight of the world is on your shoulders, who do you guys turn to? Mm. That's a deep question. And I, because, you know, people have these programs, because see, they're in Teen Challenge, so they've turned to something. He says, who do you guys turn to? And I says, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, and we dwelt amongst His glory. Now that's, here's what the translation of that is. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. And Jesus dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Whenever those things get tough, times get tough, then you just got to open the word of God and say, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let him come through and tell you, give you the wisdom. And I'm going to tell you, going back, I, I, I think we're done with that subject, but is, is that's where I was 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. I could pastor. I could, I could run with big dogs. But that was the problem. I was running, always trying to get something accomplished versus mm -hmm. slowing down and going, okay, how do we deal with this issue yeah. and make sure that everybody, it turns out the best for everybody. Yeah. So, oh, it was funny. Now that we're here, a lot of people are finding out that I'm back and they're like, what? You're back with Pastor Marty? You know, like, yeah, man. You know, and they're like, man, we never thought that would happen. You know, but well, I'm, you'll run. No. Run. <laughs> Well, again, I feel like that's kind of the the joke of it, man, because, again, unless unless people really come get to know you, because I heard about a lot of experiences you guys faced, you know, and, you know, it's one of these things where I was like, man, God, if you're showing Pastor Marty that, hey, I, I pray he grows through it, because, you know, we've sensed just a big life change in you, you know, just who you are, you know, obviously, like you said, we're, just, we're getting older, you know, so we just, we appreciate more things we appreciate the little things you know and so you young people remember that yep appreciate the little things amen and i we i never really focused on that man it was like next big thing next big company whatever who i'm the you know and i got sick so everyone knows my story you know but i want to tell your story sister mona i want i want to get into that you is know? it possible to take a break for a little bit yeah go ahead just leave i'll talk to sister mona what if he's a restroom? I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> you know, Sister Mona, it's it's cool to be like here to be um, um, on the podcast. And, you know, Pastor Marty talks, but a lot of people think, you know, what's Sister Mona say? What's Sister Mona do? You know, where have you been like just because we've been gone for so long. Where, where, where do you feel like God has been changing you, you know, realizing more things since we got out? the truck, you know, from Denny's and, you, and you're just like, you know, it, it's, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, we talk about all this stuff, but we've all grown up. Yeah. We've all matured. Um, I think we've grown in God. Um, and so that leads us to a place of, um, understanding people. And, um, I was, I was super excited to see you guys here. When, you know, I looked out there on Resurrection Sunday because I'm good 
with um, not holding on to, mm -hmm. to stuff. God has blessed me in that. I know sometimes it's hard for people. Um, I know sometimes forgiveness um, can some be, sometimes be a process. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard that um, because if you come across those same people and that rises back up in you, then you haven't forgiven. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to lay that down again and again, and sometimes we have to do it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, I see that in Kealoha too. Um, we can get mad, um, but we don't hold it a yeah. long time, and I think that's just a blessing. Amen. God does that. Um, he moves in us, and you let it go. Amen. Um, it, it leads for a very joyful life Yeah. versus, um, you know, being angry all yeah. the time. I don't, I don't want to be that way. Um, I want to enjoy life. I want people to see me um, with God's peace, mm -hmm. that he gives me the peace. And that's how, that's how I function. Yeah. I, I have the joy um, because I believe him. I trust him. Mm -hmm. I'm with him, you know, every day, Amen. every day. It was funny. I got a text this morning and they were asking about something, um, if they could buy something in my store, if I still had it there. And it was early, it was like six o'clock this morning. And they were like, and I said, no, it's sold. And so he texted me back and he said, um, sorry. He's like, I know it's early. And I'm all, um, I'm just talking to God. You know, so it's just texting him. <laughs> so he laughed at me. And so that's where my joy comes from. I can, yeah. I can handle things a lot easier because he's with me. Amen. I've got him. And um, <clears throat> we have conversation all, every day. So Amen. it's an easier place to sit in, in your maturity and growing up and growing in God. Well, so one, one of my favorite songs you wrote or um was it psalm 57 you know save me save me save me and it's like psalm 57 in the shadow of his wings you know it's like yeah that's the first thing i thought about right now you know and i love that you know we get that you know again my relationship with you sister was always great always you know and it's just you know you don't like hearing it, but I said, Simone is perfect, man. She don't have no problems. Oh. She's very, she's no, <laughs> you far know, from it. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but it's, it's one of these things where it's, you know, you're, you're it's just Sister Mona, you know, we just, we, 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 our family loves you. Laura loves you, you know, you know, but Pastor Martin, not you guys are back. Let's tell your still here story. What, you know, what happened and, you know, get to the meeting. I wanted to set this whole first hour of getting to know you and our relationship while we're here, but. I feel like this is the meat of the podcast that I feel like it feels a lot different because when we shoot a podcast and of course we don't have near this kind of equipment <laughs> we're shooting we are podcasts with cell phones you know we just you know, like selfie sticks but uh, uh, it's kind of nice to sit here and just spend this kind of time you know because we try to get everything done in 15 minutes uh, segment so we're yeah. just trying to punch things out on issues and things that we're talking about and stuff like that. But um, because it, this is uh, the story that we had to experience 
in uh, December of 2017 and um, January of 2018, which was, we were there at Christmas. But um, my family had uh, just, for the boys' graduation, they just graduated, both of them as seniors from Emmanuel High School. And so we said, well, for their graduation, we'll take them to Hawaii. And so we ended up um, making the trip for Hawaii um, that Christmas because we wanted to be there during the Christmas season because Hawaii's, we used to live there. Yeah. Hawaii's a great place to be in December. Yes. You know, it's really a great place to be and stuff. So um, it's beautiful, weather's perfect. And so we do, long story short is, um, we get to Honolulu, we're staying in our hotel, and uh, it just poured rain. I mean, when you talk about just nice weather in that type of year, it was real unusual. They had this real unusual, like a deluge come through, and for probably the better part of 20 hours, it just rained and rained and rained. And of course, the water runs straight off, and you know, as soon as it stops, but, so we, we went down, did indoor type things, you know, whenever we first got to there, but on the second day, or was it Christmas day? I can't remember. No, we, we flew out on Christmas day. So yeah. it was anyways, we've been there two days and um, we had decided we were gonna ride these scooters. You know how people rent the scooters? Mm -hmm. They're everywhere in Honolulu. And so we hadn't even rented a car because we knew we were gonna do the Honolulu thing first. Now us living there, we, we didn't live, we lived in small, a small community called Waipahu, but, um, but we knew it would be yeah, Eva Beach area and stuff. We knew that the boys would enjoy that. It's kind of like being down in the hub of Hawaii, the beaches and everything. So that's what we were doing. And we decided uh, we were going to go ride the scooters, and we did. And, and we rented the scooters, and we were riding around. We were having a great time as a family. Um, we were worried about her. You know, mm -hmm. she's not, you know, we all ride, you know, we, me and my sons have Harley Davidsons, and we've been motorcycle riders and stuff. Uh, for years, but we, you know, for us it's nothing. We're just getting on these scooters and we're just playing around and drag racing with them at 30 miles an hour, you know, just like trying to lay down and get wind air, you know, like, yeah. you know, Especially but uh, just having fun, mm -hmm. just in Hawaii having fun. And, and uh, we, we went into Diamond Head, went up Diamond Head, which is about a 45 minute hike, you know, and it's a wonderful thing to do. If you ever, I want to encourage you, if you go to Hawaii, hike Diamond Head, yeah. it's not like you have to pack in on a little trail. It's actually a walkway that takes you up to the uh, top. Yeah, we want to go. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. and we were up there and then we came back down and we were getting on our little scooters and Mona didn't put her helmet on. And in Hawaii, it's not a law there. And so, you know, she put it under her seat. And I, and I almost told her, I said, no, you need to wear that helmet. She, but I said, baby, you're gonna wear your helmet. And she goes, it's too hot. Cause we'd been just hiked down. So she's it's just too hot. And so we go out and we're riding all around and coming around Diamond Head and coming back down. We get to Ala, Ala Moai Boulevard and coming back behind Waikiki. And as we're coming around a mild curve, leaving a stoplight and stuff, <clears throat> we hear a blood curling scream. And as I looked over my shoulder, I saw Mona on her scooter wide open, which wouldn't have been a zone for that. Um, because we had just left an intersection was kind of curving around. Yeah. <clears throat> and there was a, a lane that comes in from this direction. So our three lanes go like this and the lane came from the people coming right. And I looked back just in time to see her crossing that lane, going all the way across that lane. And there's a street, you know, decorative street poles. 
with the lights on it. She went head on <clears throat> into that wide open. Wow. Her, her, she literally hit the curb, and as it did, it splattered that motor, that little scooter. It wasn't even recognizable. It just splattered it, that fiberglass thing. And that pole, she broke the cast iron pole with her face and, and cracked it up with her face. And her sunglasses had been um, shoved into her forehead and it had, um, again, split her head open and her chin. And it took her mandible on all this area and completely just, just knocked it completely loose and all four teeth down her throat. And when it did, the impact shoved everything sideways. And I remember the vision of seeing her fall back out and it, it bounced her off this pole and she went probably 15 feet out into the lane and cars started stopping and at that. And we knew we were right then. We knew that we had just a, a great, great vacation had just turned catastrophic. We knew right then. We turned around and we just came up and slid our bikes, you know, these little scooters, just laid them on the street and, the, and my sons laid them down and we ran over to her and, and I go, Mona, Mona. And as I was, and stuff, right then I watched her eyes roll back into her head and I watched her take her last breath. She literally, her mouth had filled it up with blood. She had split her face open and lacerated here. So blood was leaking out of her chin, but it was over here. So you got a very zombie, you know, when you see these yeah. very distorted because everything was over here now. Teeth were in, you know, it was catastrophic. And she just went, and nothing went back. And we sat there and, and uh, right then just, Everything that you have in you that you've ever learned from, from the Word of God, you better, you better know right then because right then we needed everything there, that, that of God's power in our lives right then. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. And uh, <clears throat> um, devastated um, when the paramedics got there, she, flat, she was flatlined when they put her in there. Ambulance, she was flatlined. The whole way to the Queens Medical Center, which was 25 minute drive, flatlined. They were hitting her with the uh, paddles, the defibrillators trying to get her to come back. They were yelling her name. I was yelling from the front of the ambulance, Mona, Mona, you know, and stuff. It was devastating for us. And so uh, it all began right then. Now I'm going to backtrack a little bit and tell you where all the miracles and tell you the story and how God began to perform one miracle right after the next. Mm -hmm. Mona hits the pole. The woman on the sidewalk, running down the sidewalk, we don't know who she is. I wished I did. She had headphones on and she was jogging. And had Mona not hit the pole, she would have hit the lady. The pole separated them. And she hit the lady, just startled, and it scared her. And she, and she just ran straight into the street to Mona before we could get our machines turned around because we were in front of her. And yeah. by the way, they tell you to do that. They ask you, they grade you on, on ability. Well, we're all motorcycle riders, but we put um, me as number one, uh, Kaoki as number two, Kaloha number three, and her at number four. The reason is in Hawaii, when you're following each other, they don't want the most inexperienced rider to be out front. 
them have a wreck like what happened, have a wreck and take the rest of us out. Uh, because you're, you're instructed in, in Honolulu because these things do about 35 miles an hour. That's still pretty so quick. you can drive in the traffic, but they tell you if traffic is, comes up behind you, get into the bike lane. So you have to move over in single file. When people are that, you get back out and just ride. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that. Everything was working fine. And uh, we left this intersection. No one was behind us and we heard this blood curdling scream. We figured out what happened. She doesn't remember it all, but we figured out the best we could by re-examining, investigating the accident site. It's the only thing we could come up with. Here we are, this catastrophic, situation has happened. My youngest son, he couldn't even contain himself in a thought. He started pacing in a circle and he grabbed his head like this and he was just going, no, 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 no. And then he started just kind of in a crying scream, kind of a, not screaming like, like, like fearful, just in a louder, dad, what are we gonna do? Like that nice, and, and he was like, what are we gonna do without mom? He kept screaming that. Mm -hmm. And I looked up and I said, son. And then my, my oldest, Kealoha, kneeled down. He was going, mom, mom. And so, but the miracle is the lady that was jogging down the sidewalk was a Christian. Mm. She ran right to her and held her hand. And she just went, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. And she began to call the power of Christ down. The car that pulled up to the accident site had three soldiers that got out, ran to her. We had already got to her. We kind of got to her at the same time because traffic and everybody kind of came around her and they all took a knee and they began to call on the name of Jesus. Wow. That's why it's hard to get through this story. Anyways, here we have these people, the, the, the core group of people, including me and, her, and, and my sons, we're all crying out to the Lord, God, God, don't, you know, and... Anything we could pray, prayers or anything. But the first people that showed up were calling on God. And I thought to myself, how amazing and miraculous is this? Then more people started pulling over and people started kind of gathering in. And not, I didn't see one person with a cell phone filming it, nothing. They were all just, just like this, just praying. Like it was a big prayer group. The lady that was jogging, she says, I've already called 911. Mm. We thought, how long could that take? And it was just, of course, you know, seconds seems like hours, but it must have been a few seconds. We heard, whoa, you know, these sirens, whoa, 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 come out. And it went, ooh, pulled up. We looked out, her accident happened about 300 feet from the fire department wow. with the ambulance guys. So they literally pulled out on the street to her. We didn't know that. We hadn't even looked at our surroundings. We were just focused on. And so her emergency services didn't have to come through Honolulu or from some, they were right there. So her accident was literally almost in front of, the, of an ambulance. They got her in. They said it was critical. He beat the side of the ambulance and he says, it's critical. She needs to get there as fast as, you know, ASAP. That means full-blown sirens. Well, the problem we had was I, I says, can my sons get in there? And they said, no, only you. So we're not allowed to carry passengers. You're the only one you have to ride up in the front seat. I, so I looked at my sons and these guys are shattered right now. They just watched their mom pass away. And I don't wanna say, I mean, there's no other way to explain it, but when she breathed her last breath, her body 
um, all of her bodily functions left her. Mm. I mean, everything. She just, and, uh, and I knew right then because I used to be uh, a firefighter in Shafter. Um, in my younger years, my 20s, um, I was a firefighter, so I'd seen this people die out. She never breathed again, and her whole mouth was filled, overflowing with blood. As blood was just pouring, bleeding out of her, but no air bubbles at all, going either direction, yeah. nothing. Nothing from her nose, blood coming out of her nose, puddle of blood around her head. She had blood all over her little coat she was wearing. And so the miracle, what God did was instantly surround Mona and us with prayers. People began to pray, not gawkers. Remember, we're tourists. This yeah. is Hawaii, yeah. but n not one gawker. These were people began to pray for her. Two young teenage girls came up praying and said, do you need help or be driven anywhere? Can we help? Do we need to start calling family members? And I was like, I couldn't think as ambulance guys. And I was like, um, no, we've done that. I'll, I'll take care of that. So that type of thing was happening. So we get in the ambulance, what should have been, could have been a 35 minutes, because Honolulu, Queens, Queens is, I'm sorry, we're in Waikiki. We're in Waikiki over by Diamond Head. Honolulu, you know, that's like Malaga is to, you know, North, you know, Fresno, yeah. the river park type thing. And, and then it's all the tourist traffic and trying to get there. Sirens are on, we go through there. And in just probably 10, 15 minutes, we were pulling in the parking lot. But my boys, I had to leave at the accident site. And here's all these scooters laying everywhere. The cops came up and he says, we take care of that. You get to the hospital. I says, so I jumped in the ambulance and I told the boys, my sons, I says, figure out a way. Tell them Queens Hospital, get in a cab, get here. How old are they this time? Um, Eighteen and probably, probably seventeen, seventeen 18. and eighteen. Okay. And um, well, it was Kaoki's birthday, oh, yeah, so it was his eighteenth birthday, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, eighteenth birthday happened on his birthday because <clears throat> actually wow. we were coming with the scooters to go and celebrate his birthday, and we we're gonna have a brunch and a lunch mm -hmm. and everything yeah. for his birthday. We're looking for a restaurant and stuff. So now I know exactly the the day it was on. It's the 28th, yeah. December 28th. Do you need to take a break or anything? Are you good? Okay. okay. And so um, we left them there. So now two things. I'm heartbroken because I had to literally look at my sons, you know, just tore up emotionally. You know, they weren't just bawling and crying and just like frantic. They were just, they just knew. So as Kaoki walked around holding his head and he was just, didn't know how to, he couldn't figure out how to respond. He goes, Dad, what are we going to do without Mom? And I says, Son, we're going to go home and we're going to live every word we've ever preached and we're going to believe every song we ever sang and we're going to thank God for all the years He blessed us with her. Mm -hmm. I says, you know, we, we, we could see it. This is how catastrophic this was. Plus, the ambulance guy never got a pulse out of her. Wow. Nothing. So we could see it happening and stuff. So the, the news wasn't good at all. But within 10, 15 minutes, we pulled at Queens. And I says, I thought this took longer to the driver. And he goes, this should have taken 30 minutes. But it's like all of a sudden, every road we had to go down was wide open and everything was just clear as a bell. 
because usually in that kind of traffic, this is Waikiki, you can have your sirens on, but you got to honk horns and yeah. move. People got to get sideways and move, let you get through traffic. It just, boom, he was, we were just flying. We pull in there and my boys ran up to me. And I looked, I says, how did you get here? And the officer, see, it's like you said, I'll forget things. When I was there, I says, can you take my son to the cop? I said, can you take my sons to the, she says, we can't. He says, we're not allowed to haul passengers to, you know, just, we, we can't. And I says, all right. And so we get there, my sons run up, right to the, while they're pulling her out of the ambulance and they're standing next to me. And I was like, looking side to side, it's like, where'd you guys come from? And the cop was right there and they go, she looks and she goes, I brought them. And I says, you brought them? She goes, I called my sergeant. I told him what had happened. I said, I have two young men standing here. Just watch their mother possibly die in front of them. Mm. He says, and they have no way to get to the hospital. He says, you put them in that car and you get them to the hospital. Mm. She said, yes, sir. And I says, I thought you couldn't do that. She says, we're not allowed to do that until today. See, you could see how God was doing things all along. We didn't notice that until you sit back and think about these things. So as we are at the hospital, a man and a woman come out, and I knew that wasn't a good sign, because this isn't doctor stuff. A man and a woman came right out, high, I mean, just very professional. And this lady walks up to me, and I, for the life of me, I wish I could remember her name. And she walked up to me, and she says, are you her husband? I said, yes. And I said, is she gone? She says, we don't make those calls, but your wife is in critical condition, and uh, we've got the best in the world with her right now. And I says, okay. He says, however, um, we, we want to take you to and just counsel you. Well, I'm the, we're pastors. I knew what that meant. And so we go room. to this room, really nice little room. I mean, it's kind of plain, but I mean, it's nice. And we weren't in the waiting room. And she shut the door, and, and the door had just enough room like a family room. So I knew, that I know what's going on now. And... And she begins to counsel. She says, we're hospital services. This is our chaplain. She says, and we're here just for you and your sons, for anything we can do, whatever you want to talk about or anything like that. And we were just praying. And, and uh, the chaplain introduced himself and said, you know, can, we, can I pray with you, you guy? And I had made, made known. I says, well, we're ministers in California. And says, we're just going to keep praying. And we're believing God's going to do something. He says, can we pray with you? And we're going to believe the same. And this went on for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, I don't know why, but Kealoha on his phone started playing Praise You in the Storm. Mm. And uh, that song started playing. And I looked at the, the counselor and the, the chaplain. I says, can we have a minute alone with me and my sons? Absolutely. So they went out in the hallway and we're standing in the hall. I didn't know where they went, but apparently they were standing in the hallway because the way they responded. But the three of us began to sing and worship God. I said, turn that up, son. He turned it up on his iPhone as loud as it would go. And we began to sing, I will praise you in the storm. You know, and mm -hmm. I will lift my hands for you are who you are. And as we sang that, we're all blubbering, you know. I mean, it just was, you know how that sounds. 
people try to sing and they're blubbering. Oh, praise yeah. stuff. And so we're all singing that. And we're worshiping. And the lady opens the door and she goes, can we come back in? She motioned me, can we come back in? And I said, yeah, I just motioned, sure, certainly. They came in and sat down and began to worship with us. Mm. Not kind of like, like knowing the song. We played it at church, you know, so we knew the song. But they were just kind of like, you know, worshiping with us. And we got to the course of that song, you know. As we were singing, the door opened up. This process of time now has been um, just right at 54 minutes is what they, the time limit had been. And they opened the door and the on staff's doctor, surgeon, emergency services, which we didn't know at the time, they put nine people on her. She came as a code red. We learned this while we were at Queens Medical, what code red meant. It means the most critical case of the day type mm -hmm. thing, code red. And so we go, he go, uh, I do remember her name on, on, on that day. Her name was Star. She goes, I'm Dr. Star, and professional looking woman doctor. And I said, yes, it's, we have her back. Well, my sons were like, oh, that's an answer to prayer. But she says, would you like to come see her right now? Mm. Now, being in the emergency services, I know what that means. It's like, we have her back. You can see her heart beating. She's still in a coma, but you can say pretty much your last goodbyes. <clears throat> so as we went to the, to the room, we began to pray and sing again. And these, all these doctors and nurses stood back and kind of just almost like they just were blessed by this. And, and uh, so I was paying attention. I'm a pastor. Yeah. You know, though you can be in the, a critical situation, you can see the room. You know your room. And they were just moved by it. And I thought, okay, here's another miracle. The cops brought my sons. You know, they come in. These people, beautiful people come out. They take us to this room to comfort us. You know, it's not like we just came to the hospital. It's like, there's the waiting room. You know, they just began to really take yeah. care of us like we were somebody. And, uh, and which we were, we're the, we're royalty, you know. We're, yeah. We're royal, we're, the Bible says, tells for Peter, we're royal priesthood. But they don't know that and stuff. So he calls me outside of the, the emergency area and I walked out and he says, you're Marty. And I says, yes. He goes, this is very critical. He says, um, we have gotten her back a heartbeat, but she's been gone too long. Wow. And I says, what does that mean? He says, we're going to monitor her and watch her. But if we get her back at all, she survives this. She'll be a vegetated state mm. and she'll never know who you guys are again. And he started explaining how long the brain could go without blood or without oxygen. He says, those are minutes, like drowning victims. He says, she's been almost an hour. So we had that to face. And they were willing her straight past me as they willed her by. He says, she's going to be on, in a room on the fourth floor, but we're taking to MRI on the fourth floor, and we'll come and get you, and we'll take you to her room. And so, okay. So we go up to the fourth floor, 
We don't know too much about the fourth floor of Honolulu. Amazing hospital, just amazing place. And we go straight to the chapel and me and my boys walk in to a chapel, unlike I'd ever seen at any hospital. Mm -hmm. I'm a pastor, so I've seen chapel. They usually get this room with some chairs, a little thing and a little thing. Maybe they'll put some type of stained glass picture up on the wall. This was a straight, beautiful little miniature church. Just beautiful, gorgeous. And uh, we went in there, and the three of us, no one was in there. And there's this beautiful white book, and it says prayer book. And I went over there and grabbed the pen, page one, and began to write, Lord Jesus, God of the heavens and the earth, remember us in this time of need. I just started praying stuff, you know, just like I would pray audibly, I began to write things down. And I got done, Kealohan and Kaoki did the same thing. And by the time they were done, we filled up that first page. And it was blank. Everything's blank in this book. And then we'd come back and write some more in it, you know, and stuff. But while we were singing and praying, the door opened and the doctor walks in. And he goes, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'll come back. We went, no, no, no. Stop and think about this at our local hospitals. They wouldn't even find you. You'd have yeah. to go, can you give me some information where yeah. my loved one is? They came and found us in the chapel just because they said that's what they would. There's a beautiful chapel. We'll come get you. And they did it. And uh, it's just such a shout out to Queens Medical Center out of Honolulu. The best of the best. And so he says, we've got her in a room. Well, I want to take you to the room. So we go through down there. And here's the thing with all the phone, the pad, the keypad, the cameras. And the doors just swish open. And we walk in with the doctor. So the three of us go to this room. And in the, all the nursing area, beautiful, beautiful place, but in the nursing area, it says one person at a time, no more than one person per family at a time. We walk into the room, the big old sign says no more than one person at a time. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this is a special occasion because he's bringing us to her room at this period of time. And I thought, <laughs> I little did I know this was a miracle happening right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're in the, uh, in the room and he says, he looks at us, he says, can I get you anything? Can we bring you guys anything? Have you eaten? Have you, do you need anything? And I'm thinking to myself, well, is this a real hospital? Because usually like, okay, you gotta be, and you gotta go. Yeah. You can be here, but two of you gotta get out. You know, and they're just making us as comfortable as can be. And this is still day one. This is, this is she, her accident was 11 in the morning. By now, it's a probably going on one o'clock after just you know, going past about one o'clock in the afternoon, we can't tell. We're inside of a hospital. Yeah, We've just, lost track of time. Yeah. And so my time in that is, is, but I know we're in that first day. We're in the room and this nurse comes in. Her name's Sarah. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing, amazing human being. And she came in and we were singing to her, singing every song we could think of. Kalo was bringing up every song on his phone. We were worshiping. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just said, we're gonna worship God. We're, we're not going to do this, oh, is me. We're going to worship God. Now, let me tell you one of the miracles about this, and that I believe is a miracle, is if it had happened in here in California, something catastrophic like that had happened, every person that came to the hospital, instantly, this would have went through our church, our family members, and every person that walked in would have said, what happened? I'd have had to tell the story again. Next person, a parishioner yeah. walks in. I'd have had to tell the story again. There's nothing wrong with that. But we were just the three of us by ourselves able to do nothing but worship God and just for her, just us. You know, I didn't have family members walking in going, 
you know, and then all the crying and hugging all over again, you know, none of that. That's what that becomes draining. Yeah, it's draining. That's the it's draining the, part the emotional of that thing going arc. over and over. Yeah. And so we were in this situation where we were Stay dealing focused. with Mona yeah. right now. And so we're thinking, eventually they're going to come kick us out. <clears throat> Sarah, she comes to us and she says, Is there anything we can get you? And I says, Like what? And she goes, Like, do you want something to drink or, you know, do you want some? I can bring you. Do you I said, Not a drink coffee. I says, you know, she goes, well, I have, you know, the water was there. And she says, do you like hot chocolate? I says, yeah. So she brought us hot chocolate and stuff like that. And it's just things that, it was, it was very hospitable, but in a different way. Because hospitals can be nice, but it's in a different way. Yeah. It was like, you're in critical care. It says everywhere, no more than one person. Then she came in there. She goes, do you guys need some blankets or pillows? Because in there, it's not set up for anybody to gather. There's a bed where she's in it and a chair. This chair folds out kind of like a clunk type thing. That's it. And, and I go. That's where they perform surgeries. That's where they, is that everything? Well, and, and I'm going to get to that. In Hawaii, the fourth floor is called the death floor. Okay. And so she was going to get you pillows and stuff. She says, unfortunately, Man. that's all we have on this floor. And I go, well, can we, do we have to leave? She goes, no, you guys can stay here. You're fine. Well, another sign on the wall says absolutely no food or drinks in this room. And here she's bringing us stuff. And I'm wow. like, what in the world's going on? Bless you. you know, man. and I just felt like these people are blessing us instead of like, uh, you're going to have to leave. You know how people will come yeah. in and go, excuse me, step away. You know, we have to take her. All that. We visited Especially her mom in the hospital. You know what that's like. Yeah. They're in Queens Medical. It was like they were almost intrude, an intrusion. Yeah. Do you, they would open the door. Do you, do you like mind? they're in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were like, like, do you mind if we come in? Because we got to take her to x-ray. It's yeah. like, no. You know, yeah. And she's like, thank you so much. It was just like that. That's you know, it's crazy. like a whole different thing, vibe. Very nice. And people. so. Wow. Um, that was good. We didn't understand it other than just how God was working it out. Mm -hmm. But as the day went on and all the phone calls had been made and everybody knows now Teen Challenge was one of the, well, the second phone call that came to Hawaii to me and was Pastor Marty, Teen Challenge Worldwide is praying for you. We didn't know when we got home. People wanted to meet her because she was the miracle. You know, that they, they go, so you're the one we've been. We, wow. we were called to the chapels. Says those were in different time zones. They said, get up. You're going to the chapel. One of our pastor's wives is in critical condition. <clears throat> And they were just started praying, and especially here in Reedley, where they all knew who she was. Yeah, you know, and especially down south with Ron, and uh, Ron Brown, who was my second uh, connection. I called my family members, told them what was had happened. They said, "We're on our way." I said, "You realize where we're calling? We're in Hawaii. We're on our way." So they were on their way already. They grabbed clothes and were headed for the for L.A. to get on a plane, red eye out, and stuff. So those things were happening at the same time. So the day's going on, the, we go into night, and we go downstairs to buy chargers because our phones are almost dead. We've been texting and telling on the phones with everybody. And, we, and our hotel room's all the way to Waikiki, and we're in Honolulu now. Yeah, so you have to understand how that works out. Mm -hmm. It's like Clovis Hospital all the way to um, St. Agnes, is to like a community in mm -hmm. Fresno. So kind of imagine that, you know. Yeah. We're in a whole different area of, of Hawaii now. And I know everybody kind of sees Honolulu and Waikiki together, but it's a pretty big place. And it's like a small Los Angeles. Yeah. And so I told the boys, let's go downstairs, see if they got any at the gift shop, any chargers. 
went down there and we walked in and there wasn't. So we bought a few snacks and things. But Kealoha, my boy's faces are just red and their eyes swollen from crying. You know, just the emotional roller coaster they've been on. And there was a young lady at the counter, 16 years old. And she looks up at Kealoha and she goes, she goes, brah, you okay? And he goes, my mom's been in a terrible accident. And I have... Uh, Said so it's just. And she goes, Can I pray for you? Mm. This is at the register at the store in the hospital. And he goes, Yeah. He said, We're pastors. She goes, Let me pray for you. This young girl prayed for our family. We got her stuff. They didn't have chargers, and we walked out. So the boys took a hike and they started walking through Honolulu to try to find a place they could buy chargers. They were gone probably almost an hour and a half, two hours, because they had to walk so far. The hospital's in a business type of a district, you know? It's not like in a downtown where you yeah. go stores. So they just kept walking until they ran into stuff they could find and buy some. They did, got chargers, <clears throat> came back, and so we're sitting in that night. Boys have been talking to people from home. I've been with her, we've been back and forth, all of us. Kealoha had taken her bloodied shirt and put it on and started wearing it. Because, you know, Kealoha, uh, he's still small frame, you know, but uh, he wore it, blood across it. He just kept wearing it, never took it off. And uh, he went to the chapel by himself. And I'd sit there, Kaoki was sitting in the hallway, you know, he was talking to people here from the church. And like a normal type of catastrophe. Well, I decided I'm gonna to go to the chapel and Kealoha was coming back. And he was inside of critical care now. You know how it works with, uh, what's the other one called? Intensive ICU. care, yeah, ICU. Yeah. Intensive care. Intensive went out of my head. Intensive care is two floors above us and it's the fifth and sixth floor. They have two floors. See, yeah, remember this is a military island. Yeah. So they can't, they gotta be geared up and ready for another, if there was another Pearl Harbor type mm -hmm. thing. So fourth floor is critical care, which is the death floor. The fifth and sixth floor ICUs. And so we're in critical care. And so he's coming back in there and I'm going out. And he says, Dad. And I said, yes, son. I just talked to Jesus. And I said, okay. You gotta remember, man, these are young men's faith. Mm -hmm. You know. <clears throat> And he goes, mom's gonna walk out of here. And I says, great. You know what I'm saying, don't you? Great. I believe we do. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. And he goes, no dad, mom's gonna walk out of here. He specified, she's yeah. gonna live and she's gonna walk out of here in 10 days. 10 days. Wow. Specified. And so I went to the chapel and looked at the prayer book and there's three pages filled with prayers from other people now. So our prayers didn't just for us, it began to make other people write their prayers down and believe. Wow. And so I was like, God, you're such a good God. But I went in there and I just poured my heart out and I was broken before the Lord. I was bawling. I mean, one of those just ugly face bawling, you know. And I says, God, this is 
hard. And I says, I'm begging you. I just said these things. I says, and I'll just sum it up. I said a ton of things. I says, if she can lead one more person to the cross, is that not what you did for me? Mm. Did that not, is that not what you did for me? Mm-hmm. And I says, one more person to the cross. And Amen. I didn't feel Amen. anything. And I says, I said, God, please, please don't make me fly home knowing my wife is in that cold, dark bottom of that plane underneath us. That was my biggest nightmare right there was having to fly home and her being in the cargo bay. Wow. And that's just sitting up there with that one empty seat. I was like, and so I'm in the chapel and I says, if you told my son that she's going to survive this, I says, God, please don't mess with his faith. Mm. See, I'm praying from a prayer from, from almost anger and my, my, my loyalty to the cross. You know, but you're just in a different place, you know. You're not angry at God. You're not angry at anything. You're just, why? Yeah. And then you go, oh, yeah, I read the book of Job. But why? Oh, yeah, I know the Fox's book of martyrs. I know people have struggled through this. I know this. And stuff. So you have to keep sucking that down and going, I get it, God. If that was her time on this earth, you've called her home. But if she's going to be responsible for saving one more, I need a sign. I said, show me a sign. Give me something. I know nothing about iPads at the time. Technology is not that big a deal. We have barely have our cell phones with the screens on them, you know, and stuff. So, but the boys had an iPad in the hospital room. It just happened to be that on the backpack that I think Kalo Harakeoki was wearing while we were riding, you know, just extra junk they carry. Like, they still do it when we ride our bike, motorcycles. And he had his iPad in there. And so I had, didn't even notice it. And so we go through the night. By the time I come back from the chapel, Kealoha is in bed with her. I mean, literally, she's been moved over to the rail, and he's sleeping, dead crashed out. Didn't you say you took a picture of that? Yeah, I got a picture of that. Yeah, you don't mind sharing that? No, I got a picture. I can share that one. And and <clears throat> and Kaoki's out in the hallway. I think he's talking to I think Cherie or some of the other folks here at home, who are just consoling, just consoling us. And and Sarah walks in, our nurse, and she. I says, Sarah's is. I I assume he shoved his mother over. You got to remember, she's wired to every machine they could find. I mean, they went. I mean, they went like to NASA and found machines to hook her up. Wow. I mean, everywhere's machines. It seemed like that, but I mean, there were so many tubes in her nose and her throat. She had teeth in her esophagus. It was just, and they had already fixed her face where they put her uh, neck brace, mm-hmm. and and her face was back in line, but it was all shattered. They just put it back. They just kind of like mushed it over. And put a thing to hold it in place. Wow. Oh, her, like in the blood out. her arm had been really? a compound fracture out of the back of her elbow when the impact. It took this and shoved it out the back. It had uh, shattered the bone. It had uh, it cracked her her ankle. It got her knee. I mean, it tore her up and stuff like that. So, the biggest problem we had was the doctor came to me. See, I keep messing this stuff. 
the doctor came to me whenever she was in a room and he says, we have a massive problem. And I said, what's that? I said, she, we got to take her into surgery. I says, okay. He says, her carotid artery is at the point of bursting. He goes, when the impact hit, he goes, was she wearing a helmet? And I thought, now I'm going to look like a bad guy because she wasn't wearing her helmet. I go, no. And he goes, that's miraculous. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, the impact of the helmet, what happened to her? A helmet wouldn't have saved her. These are these little bonnet helmets. She hit here. So you understand, these are these little... Yeah, like a turtle shell. Like a turtle shell. Yeah. She hit right on her face, so the helmet would have done nothing in this accident. You know, it wasn't like she went head on with yeah. the top of her skull. It hit her again right through here. And just split her face open. And so, and I go, what's that mean? He goes, and he goes, because the impact of the, of the hit shoved her head so bad that it stretched the carotid artery and now her head has come back. It's like a hose that's kinked. Yeah. And I says, it won't go back into place? He says, no. He says, our veins are like cellophane, not like rubber bands. He says, you stretch them, it stays stretched. He goes, I says, what, what do we do? He says, we have to stent her carotid artery because she can have a stroke at any minute now. And she says, or it could burst. All these things, he was saying, what could yeah. happen? And I says, Okay, so that's what we're scheduled for. Now she's going into this emergency surgery to have this fixed, a stent put in. So she's all taped up, her elbows, all, this all taped up, her legs all done. And she's on these machines. They come and roll her out again. And they take her to MRI and, and bring her back. And, oh, by the way, she had a, this here impact. She was bleeding on her brain. Her brain was, her, you know, was filling up with fluid. And the impact of her going straight to her, the back of her head on the road, she had cracked her skull and was Damn. bleeding inside her brain here. So all this fluid was, so they were going to have to shave her head. Start doing to swell. Swell, like that. And I saw that happen with my sister, where the eyeballs, everything. Yeah. But Mona still looked normal, other than all of her injuries. And he says, so they took her to the MRI again. I thought, man, this has only been like an hour, you know, since you guys did this. And she came back to the front of the room. And he came to me and he goes, whatever you guys are doing, I need you to keep doing this. And he went to Sarah, our nurse, and he says, he says, are these guys, are, is everything okay in this room for them? She goes, best we can. He goes, I'm sorry, this is all we have, but if they need like extra chairs, can you get them whatever they need? He says, because you're praying and you're singing is changing <clears throat> everything in her body. Wow. And I went, well, what happened? He goes, her carotid artery is almost back to its original position. I says, wow. I go, how is that happening? And he, and he goes, uh, 40 years, I've never seen this ever happen. He says, but it's going back. He said, that's not even that. He says, the swelling on the brain has stopped and the fluid is dissipating. I said, where's it going to? And he goes, that's why we're still looking at these. And he says, and the same with the front. So in other words, all of it had stopped and it was going back. Mm. Now, let me ask you this, because, again, a lot of people can't get, you know, past the situation, you know. And, and again, this is like this is kind of like the, the put up or shut up, you know. It's like, hey, God, like you said, loyalty to the cross. I want a well. I want to panic. I want this. But, you know, you got to talk about a level of foundation and maturity in your I faith. wasn't about to let my boys see me panic. Yeah. See, I that's what I'm going to let them see me panic. 
I, was, I had to remember, I wasn't only their dad and her husband, but I, I'm also their pastor. Yeah. And that's the things they had always said whenever like birthdays or pastoral appreciation, they would always say, he's not just our father, he's our pastor. And I had to show them, you know, again, strength and, and stuff. I was hurt, I was tore up inside, but I had to walk that walk of faith um, regardless of the results, regardless. Because I remember talking to you and I was like, you seemed, obviously you were telling me what happened and I, again, I called you and, but I told Laura after I hung up, I was like, he seemed fine. Like he seemed like, I mean, his faith was, it's like Jose, yeah. just we're at where we're at and just. Well, we had already been into, I remember when you called, we'd already been into, I think it was the first day. And later on in that evening or afternoon when everybody mm -hmm. started finding out and our phones started blowing up and I our bet. text messages, we couldn't even handle the amount that was coming in. So we were answering calls um, we felt that was the most important. So if I answered your call, that, that may, I mean, that meant something because I thought, oh, look, Jose's calling. Yeah, that's important to me Amen. and stuff. So, but we were tired and exhausted emotionally, just drained. So you get to a point where you're just like, you know, I talked to her brother and I says, I was super calm. I says, I said, Brian, because we had just lost her little brother six months earlier. Wow. He passed of uh, leukemia. Leukemia. Leukemia at a young age, you know, and stuff. So um, I, I thought this is too much for, you know, My mom. her mom. Family. I said, Brian, I says, I hate to tell you this. I says, but Mona's been in a critical accident here in Hawaii. I said, we're in the hospital. And I says, it does not look good. Um, she was, she's in critical care. I says, and they're doing the best they can for her. And he responded, he goes, oh my gosh. I says, don't tell moms. Mm. I said, please don't tell her. After Brent, I said, she doesn't need this. I said, just let her know that mom, that Mona wrecked her scooter and she had to go to the hospital and they're treating her. Just, so we don't want to hide it from Keep her. Real basic. But just basic, she wrecked on her scooter and she's at the hospital and uh, <clears throat> they might keep her for the night, type thing. And he was like, uh, definitely that's and so that's the way we were we were dealing with things by then all of this catastrophic punch in the in the throat type thing was over and it was all about okay we got to deal with what's in front of us you know we got to deal with it right now mm -hmm. so people were calling and it probably was like that like hey how are you doing Jose oh, man, I'm sorry to hear about sister Mona yeah yeah we're just praying and believing just got to keep believing and you think and that seemed pretty calm, but um, that kind of goes back to the accident. We never, ever lost it. We just never did. We had to walk that walk. Man, I just, Job just kept coming to my mind. I kept going, do not think you're special. Mm. Do not think that, oh, why me? How come mm. this happened? Selfish, oh, Lord, yeah. you know, man, I've been a tither. I've been yeah. a pastor. How could this be? Rains on the just as well as the unjust. And I thought mm. if her time is up on this earth, Thank you, God, for the 30 years you gave me my wife. And that's what I told my sons. Thank you, God, for the years you gave me. Man, Instead of complaining about it, thank you for the 30. Yeah. And I said, we're going to thank God. She's your mother. Well, how do you say that to the average person? Obviously, again, it's a relationship in God. It's foundational. It's, it's your maturity. It's in. I know this is a spoiler story because she's sitting right here. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> she's good. Right <laughs> Clone. But how do you tell the, the person that's weak in the faith or the non-believer 
you know, hearing this, this is a, this is a lot. Pastor well, Martin. really, to me, the story is greater to the church. The non-believer can choose one way or the other. Yeah. They can believe or not believe. They can or look at happenstance in. and go, it's just a case of coincidence after coincidence yeah. after coincidence. Because it didn't stop. It just it kept happening over and over. Yeah. Or it wasn't as bad. But yet we have 300 pages. Whenever I asked for the, her, her doctor's report, <clears throat> our doctor at home, she goes like, she says, Perez goes, Pastor, she goes, Marty, I can't send you this whole thing. She says, you know how big that file is? I said, no, she goes, 300 pages. Wow. She says, Mona, it's amazing. She says, everything you could think of went wrong. And wow. she's like, so what is it you're looking for? I said, I need the x-rays so I can deal with the x-ray company here. Because funny is the x-ray company that deals with Queens is located in Fresno. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's just kind of, a, again, Yeah. go figure. Where did you start seeing the turning point, though? Like you said, after he came, okay. the nerves are putting you... Well, the reason it sounds like, and I apologize if it sounds drawn out, but I want people to know that God, the steps and the dominoes, just yeah. like when you the line up dominoes, it, you push one, just keeps going. All the way from the first lady jogging to the people that started praying. I think that's crazy all that you're fully just, aware of all yeah, that happening it just, at once. It just kept happening. It wouldn't stop the police officer that was told she couldn't, could, um, the counselors. These things kept happening over and over again. And we could see it all of a sudden happen. And all of a sudden, you could tell God was doing something different mm. whenever the doctor came up and goes, looked okay. at me and he goes, he was a, he goes, he says, I'm a believer. And I says, praise God. He goes, and God's doing something special here. He says, so whatever you need to do in that room, I've told all of our staff, leave that room alone. And so wow. we were completely different. And that gets to a whole other story favor, of the way we look to everybody else in the hospital. And so the first night's coming through, and we're coming towards morning. And, uh, and as it's coming up, and you know I'm going to talk about the whole 10 days. It will just jump, but here's when it all happened. Is what happened was it's coming to the morning, and I'd ask God for a sign. Give me a sign. And Kaloha pulls out this iPad. And I go, can you go on Facebook on that? He goes, yeah. And I go, can you do Facebook Live on that? I says, that thing they do now? Because see, I didn't know that much about it, but I knew people were doing things like now it's yeah. everybody, Zooms, your phones, everything. But yeah. I said, he goes, yeah. And I says, okay. I says, I, oh, we're going to make some phone calls. So we start getting on the phone. It's still morning. I start telling everybody at the church. Tell everybody at the church. Start calling everybody. Put it on social media. At noon, straight up. Synchronize your watches, your phones, everything to noon, or you're going to miss this. And, and so he goes, okay. And I says, now shoot this. And he shot a, pic, a thing. He goes, I says, I want to talk to all of, my, all of the believers there at our church. I didn't realize, you know, we're, you know, of course, Facebook, they can see it. Um, Pastor Everybody. Seth Pancras from the Baptist Church here saw it in Philadelphia. We had people in Arizona, all the, you know, the, the, goes, there's Pastor Marty. Here's he, you know, and now they're watching it because it's my face. Yeah. So they're seeing it going, wow, his wife was in a, catastrophic accident yesterday and now he's on Facebook and so that was a big deal and and so I went on Facebook and I says I need all you believers I said God's gonna do something special I don't know what it is but he promised my son in 10 days she's gonna walk out of this hospital we're gonna stand up and believe by faith and we're gonna pray at the same time I says noon California time noon gonna be 10 o'clock here because we're two hours on in the winter time 
And I says, straight up, we're going to do this. And, and so we were watching the clock come around. And, and as it did, he had the video ready to go, uh, the, the thing ready to go. And he had his phone. And he played Praise You in the Storm. And we all started singing Praise You in the Storm. It seemed like we had a choir in that room, but it come think of it, it was just us. You know, it was just the three of them, you know, just us, you know. Wow. And we're saying, doing, and I will praise you in the storm, and I will. Well, Sarah came in and started worshiping with us, our nurse. Little did we know through that night, she was an Assembly of God girl out of uh, Waipahu, I think. Really? Yeah. The Assembly of God girl out of Waipahu, you know. So here we are, our nurse, all of us are in the same place, and we're all on the same page. We didn't have one type of nurse, doctor that was like, um, you know, we're not going to allow this. Never once did we have that at Queens Medical. And so I remember her standing kind of off and I was standing, I was on this side of the bed. Her head is here. And so I would be her left side of the bed. And, and I'm sitting, sitting there and we're singing this and Kealoha standing there with that iPad and he's singing also and the phone's playing and we're singing and, and it gets to and the, where the chorus goes, and I will praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are. And no matter where I, and, and all of a sudden we were singing this, she in a straight up catatonic coma. Catatonic, catatonic coma. Never going to ever, ever be anything again. She sets up in the bed, she goes, and of course her mouth is filled with stuff, and she goes, she looks like, what's going on? You know, and I go, Mona? And she goes, looked at me, and I go, Mona. And I said, can you hear me? And she looked straight at me. I'm gonna, like in the bed. She goes, now we know she can hear the English. We know she yeah. comprehends that. And I says, Mona, do you see Kealoha? And she goes, and of course, she got mad. This is catastrophic to her head. So her eyes wandered so hard. She went, I said, do you see Kealoha? And she just kind of, I said, can you move? Your feet, and her feet just started kind of like fluttering. And, and man, the doctors came in. He goes, what's going on? Because all these alarms and stuff, her heartbeat was raising and racing and stuff like that. And <laughs> as wonderful as it was, she started getting like, I go, calm I down, calm breathe. down. And they had to so put her back. Now, do you, they, do you remember that moment? No. no. no? But she, she had, they have to induce her now because she came out of that coma. Mm. I mean, they didn't know. We had... We'd already planned to start living there, however long it took to bring her yeah. out of this. I was gonna, when we got her balanced, I was going to go start looking for a little apartment, send the boys home to run the church. You guys go home, take care of the church, I'm going to stay here with mom. Mm. She's, this, she's in a coma. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she comes out in the 23rd hour. She comes out of this coma, and they come in, and the doctor goes, we have to put her back under because she's going to... You know what? It's like somebody's choking you with all these things and stuff. And she's looking around and she's starting. I said, I grabbed her hands. I said, Mona, I says, and she, you could see this bewildered, like, what? And I says, you fell off of your scooter, hit your head. So we brought you to the hospital. We got to get you better. And she just had this panic look on her face. And I said, Mona, do you understand me? And she goes, you fell off your scooter and hit your head at a very basic level childlike she's just and i says we got to get you better because we have an appointment we have a i was telling her things like this we're going to the polynesian culture center we're going here we're going to do this we're going to do that i was trying to keep that mind moving because i yeah. knew she's back and man <laughs> i tell you right now the church world exploded over that 
wow. exploded over that. And uh, so that was the beginning of it. My family members come walking in. It hadn't been 30 minutes. They walked in. What's going on? Maybe 10 minutes. And they go, and I said, she just came out of her coma. Of course, Mona didn't know. So now let's get to the recovery. That's that first 23 hours. Mona's, now they got to induce comas because she's under this, teeth are in her throat. Her face is torn up. And they she's got bones sticking out of her. Yeah, no and, and for three days, they kept pumping blood out of her. She'd filled up her lungs and her stomach with blood. And so she was on just a pump, pumping her out. Um, and so this is going on. So when they figure it out, after about, I'm trying to think if there's anything in there other than the daily routines of being there. Yes. We, just, we went down to eat lunch that second day. And as we went to eat lunch, the, the elevator opened, and that 16-year-old girl from the gift shop, she goes, oh. She looked at like startled her. She goes, oh, hi. And she put her head down. She goes, this is for your mother. And she handed a beautiful robe, a bouquet of flowers. Um, I don't remember. All kind of, just little gifts. You still have the robe? I, got, I came up with like three of them. Yeah. yeah. You still have and, and I kid you not, <laughs> she backed back up in the elevator and was and the doors closed. Really? And we would have got in there, but we got him. We had to take him back to the room. So we walked back to the room, doors open, wide open. We go and put him down. We go back to lunch. While we were at lunch, this guy comes over and he goes, he says, uh, can, he asked her, he says, my my brothers, and we knew he came in. We just didn't know who he belonged to. He says, was in a critical accident on H1 motorcycle. Just blew his head up. And he says, he's, they don't expect him to make it. He says, and I know you guys are believers. Mm. And I says, are you a believer? And he says, yeah, I'm a believer. I says, do you believe God can change all that? I don't want to get into his story, but it'll take another hour. But I, anyways, and we prayed for him. So we ate lunch, went back upstairs. By then, our family, Mike and Lori Jackson, are in the room. Now we can take some shifts. Yeah. So Mike and Lori says, you guys haven't been to shower, nothing. I, we rented a car. Go get the car. Take it to your hotel. Shower. Why don't you take a nap, sleep a little bit, and then come back. So we did. We went back to our hotel. We showered. We, uh, we probably got an hour to, to three hours sleep and uh, got up. Me and the boys headed right back to the hospital. Mike and Lori did the same thing. So now because we have family there, we can switch off and stuff. But we were pretty much all of us there. But now there's five of us in the room. Wow. Not one time where we were asked to leave that room. We, and every time we went back and forth, wherever we were going, to the cars, to go run an errand, to go to eat down in the cafeteria, we just came and the doors went, shh. Then they go, shh. Everybody's using phones and dialing numbers. So about the middle of the week, I was out in the waiting room, and uh, I don't remember what for. I think something, a game was on. Oh, it's during the, the uh, college season. Okay, yeah. And uh, so I like national, the playoffs and all that stuff. And so we went out there and we were just watching on this big screen TV. 
and and because uh, no TV's in the critical condition, uh, ain't no need for a TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, nobody's everybody's in a coma, and one person at a time. You're not gonna sit in here and watch television stuff. So we were out in the waiting room and we were watching this game, and a lady walks up to me and she says this, and I want people to understand this. This is just the favor of God. She walks up and she goes, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure," and she goes, "Who are you guys?" And I says, um, "We're pastors from California." you know, in Selma, California. She goes, no, who are you? I said, pastors, what are you trying to, what's, what's going on here? And she goes, no, I mean, who are you related to? Or is, what's going on? Are you someone famous? I says, no. I says, I don't think anybody knows us, you know? And she goes, something's different. And we, mm -hmm. I go, why are you asking me this? She goes, because you guys go everywhere around this hospital. And when you walk down that hallway, those doors open for you. I says, we can't even get in there. How are you doing that? And I says, honestly, I said, that's just the favor of God. I said, we haven't asked for one favor. That's just the favor of God. And honestly, we spent the whole time in critical care and we never saw visitors ever standing around. And our wow. room had five. Mm. The one wife crying, one brother, one son, one daughter. That's the way it worked constantly. It may sound unfair, but that's what you call the favor of God. Yeah. And she just goes, no, I get it. You know, but you're just related somebody. I says, I'm telling you. <laughs> Who are you related I'm to? I'm telling you. And those type of things. That's crazy. It, we just, you know, didn't. So we get in about the seventh of the week, seventh day of the week. And Mona's coming along pretty good now. And they take her to surgery. They bring her back from surgery for her, her mouth. And she's wired shut. And the doctor calls me over. We happen to be out in the waiting area again because we could relax out there. Her room was no place to sit. So yeah. when she was doing anything they were doing, we would go out in the waiting room, sit around <clears> or go <throat> to the cafeteria or do something. He comes by and Dr. Haynes, he stops and he says, can, he said, Marty, can you come here? By this time, everybody's on first name. We know everybody. And he goes, does this look like your wife? And I went, yeah. And he goes, I know everything's kind of swollen but it's the best we could do with the pieces. It was like a jigsaw puzzle really? inside of her jaw, her, all of her, he says, what we couldn't find, we replaced with metal. He says, so she has metal in her, in her chin. He says, we replaced all that. He says, but, and we were able to extract the teeth that had went to her esophagus because that was a big deal. They were afraid for all those, those, yeah, uh, the, the, yeah. they might not be able to talk. Yeah, talk really? or tear her vocal cords up. And so, I said, but you got to understand how we're thinking. She's alive, man. Mm -hmm. She knows who we are. What day are you on this? I'm going to say the middle of the week to the seventh, so the seventh day or so. We're getting pretty far into this thing. Man. But God has done so much, so many times, so far, so fast, that they're taking her out and giving her MRIs. And Sarah came to me and said, Marty, she says, I've been here a long time. She goes, I'm from Rhode Island. I said, what are you doing in Hawaii? She says, because if you're in critical care, this is the hospital you want to be in. Mm. This is the top in the world. This is where the big, everybody comes, you know, this. And I says, well, really? She says, yep. Says, says, Queens Medical is the place to be for this type of trauma. And I says, she goes, that's what I do. She says, I want to be at the best. And she goes, but I've never seen anybody x-rayed like your wife. Mm. And I says, why is that? Oh, by the way, we went through an anniversary, our 
30th anniversary happened January 3rd and uh, Sarah came in I came back to the hospital I think we went to eat or something we were gone for an hour or so me and the boys and her hair was all fixed up she had uh -huh. washed the, her hair fixed her up and gussied her up you know and stuff and stuff and made her look all you know nice and pretty she, she doesn't, doesn't remember know. a lot of this but she did Nothing. then so mona's Man. memory was like almost on Zero. like like oh hi jose then you could walk out it was very short term it's like you know like how did you like your visit with mike and Lori? i didn't know they were here that type of stuff like they just and you were talking this yeah time. she was talking oh no there three yeah. or four days everything was uh, uh, oh okay no, right, i couldn't talk and stuff. Yeah, so, not talking, but just so by, responding. I'd say by the by the seventh day, they had wired her mouth shut, and I mean wired. They had <clears> screwed <throat> her jaw and everything together. That's why the miracles just are nonstop. And they put these cables like a zigzag across from all the way around. So her mouth was impossible. It's just cabled shut. And he says she's gonna have to be on all fluids. She'll have to suck through her lips, through her teeth. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know how, what I'm talking about? Yeah. You just suck, it's like, and it's, you've got to get it through the cracks in your teeth. Because she couldn't open her mouth at all. No place put a straw. She just, I think they left, the, they left the teeth. There was two that they actually left out, but now they've moved so much, now it just looks like one. So. Uh, yeah. And so, anyways, um, <laughs> Mona is, is conscious and starting to come around real good. But here's what happened. As soon as she was kind of anything we thought she was understanding, we, me and the boys dragged her out of her bed and put her in the shower. And Sarah came in, she goes, what are you guys doing? And I said, I'm giving her a shower. She likes it. And she goes, okay, let me help you. You know, so she started helping us. And then like the next day or whatever, we put her in a wheelchair, went out and got a wheelchair, put her in a wheelchair, and they go, where are you going? We're gonna take her around the hospital. And so what? we took her to the 10th floor and she was looking up and they were like going, doctor said, let them do what they wanna do. Really? And, and so, you know, we're walking with her stuff that she has, you know, the little things you push. And the boys are pushing it. She's in the wheelchair. We take her to the 10th floor because fourth floor, you can't see anything. 10th floor. And I remember her looking out that window. She goes, it's beautiful. Mm. You remember that? I remember that one spot. And then he had taken me out. To the, well, that was the next day. The roses. I remember the, next the flowers. Day. That was the, the, the actually, no, no, no. That was, on the, that was on the 10th day. We'd, oh. we'd take her shower. Take her around the hospital, all things. I put her in. I put her in the. No. I put her in the elevator, and I take her down and just wheel her around, so she could see stuff. Yeah. I wanted her seeing things. Some triggers. And by this just... time, man, they're just going. You guys have a good walk, and in critical care, <laughs> we're still in critical. We're not in an ICU. We're still in critical care. You guys have a good walk, and it's like be acting a little bit. So I'm not. See, I'm not surprised that you. This is like you're doing this because. That's the way it is. That's the way you are, you know. Oh, whenever K. Aloha was born, tell him about that. Tell him what I did when K. Aloha was born. Well, I remember you said you stashed him. And you're like, she had it. Yeah, yeah she, she cut that. You, know, you want to cut the cord? And I said, you probably need somebody more qualified. And she goes, no, you could do it. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. And so they cut the cord, tied, did the everything. When they handed me him, I took off out of the waiting room. They all said, she's coming. No, 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 no. I was like, what? And, and I walked out, and all, here's all my church. And I go, look, 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 look. And they're all going, they're all going, I don't think you're supposed to be out here with that baby. <laughs> that baby just, that baby just came out of the womb. <laughs> see, I'm not surprised. That happened. That happened. That happened. Yeah. There you go. See, that's awesome to hear, you know. But we did. I just started doing things. Me and the boys started doing things. 
faith man. without ever asking anybody because we yeah. could tell what God was doing. Mm. It was amazing. By the way, everything in her head healed up. Carotid artery, nothing. Gone. Really? Went right back into place. All these things happened. Of things that people said that can't happen. And they did happen. And so now she's this big thing at the hospital of going, you're not going to believe what's happening in their room really? and stuff. So, um, I guess and, it's and, and, and so this is all happening. And, and <clears throat> so the 10th day, I take her, put her in a wheelchair. I said, we're going to take a walk, go get some air. Okay. Do you, if you need anything, let us know. All right. So I walked her out of our, at the end of the hall, there was a, a glass door, went out to a balcony area. Kind of for people if they want to smoke or uh -huh. something. I don't know. But it was a really nice little balcony. But it was just a glass door and you walk out there. And I pushed her out there to be in the, and I put her right in the sun. Let her get some vitamin D. Just put her in the sun. And I can just remember her looking up and just going, being, you know, like that. And then we walked down, put her in the elevator, went back out through the rose garden where the cafeteria is. That's where you remember all them roses. Yes, yeah, I didn't and there was, know where In other words, you go to the cafeteria, you had to go out of I one area to another. And they had this arbors filled with nothing but Hawaii. You know, it's flowers. It smells beautiful, everything you go through and you get into the cafeteria. Well, there's a handicap ramp there, and I was pushing her in the middle of this arbor, and I turned and I went out the parking lot. We went out on the corner of Queens Medical on the bus stop bench, just sitting on the corner, me and her with her wheelchair, we're sitting on the bus stop bench and just watching traffic go by. Really? And stuff, so I, <laughs> you know, and I so she got back in her chair. And by this time, oh, and her, her, her leg all healed up because she'd get up and walk. And um, so day what you're walking eight, nine or oh, seven? probably the third day I had her up moving and getting getting you know, stuff like that. What? She didn't know it. I don't know how much. But I was like, I I'm going to give her a bath. That's going to make her feel better. And, you know, those things just made her feel better mm -hmm. and yeah, stuff. So because once I knew she once I knew she could stand up, I knew that, hey, well, then we're going to be motoring. And stuff so physical therapy yeah, now well, well, <laughs> but you just mentioned that and so we come back to the room put her in her room i get her up on her bed sit on the side of the bed they come in and says um they were waiting for her to come back it says we gotta we gotta take her to uh <laughs> to x-ray i was like okay because they kept x-raying all these broken and stuff took her to x-ray and she was there probably 15 20 minutes didn't take long. And they wheeled her back in, got her out of the chair, put her on the bed. The guy walks out, this orderly kind of, or whatever, you, uh, intern walks out and is gone. And wasn't more than a minute or so, walks in with a wheelchair. Well, she's got to go to x-ray. I said, she just got here from x-ray. Oh, no, the doctor wants her back. And I went, oh, okay. Put her in the chair, took her to x-ray. Came back from x-ray. Now, we didn't think. I thought, you know, the 10-day thing, what's the, you know, whatever. You know, if we get her out of her 12, 15, 20, I'm good. Mm -hmm. you know? But I, I kept going back. Kayla says, God says she's going to walk out of here in 10 days. Mm. I'm thinking, you realize we're looking for apartments, don't you? But nevertheless, she goes to x-ray. She comes back, put her in the bed. She's sitting there upright, just sitting on the edge of the bed. And the doctor walks in. His name was Dr. Haynes. He walks in. He goes, come here. I get up and I walk around, I go, what's up? He goes, let me show you something. You know how they do the x-rays on, on yeah. screens now. It wasn't always act like they put, but it doesn't. He just went click. And, and I go, okay. And he says, see that? And I said, yes. And he said, you see that? I said, yes. And I said, what am I looking at? 
And he, I was looking at both of them, trying to compare the best I could. He goes, here's a compound fracture, and here it's gone. Mm. I'll tell you, everybody, this. Mm. Compound fractures just don't heal with Band-Aids. They took her to, they were taking x-rays because they were going to do surgery on her. And we thought she would have to be in at least another three to seven days yeah. as they, that surgery. And Can I say that two pins? He brought it back and he goes, this is, when she came in, she, and, and you could see just, and you could see the skin and everything. He goes, this is today. And I went, so she's healed. He goes, I, there's nothing there for me to operate on at all. The That's, bone was shattered. Says, the and bone then it was shattered. No and she way. Heals. There's nothing to fix there at all. And I went like this and I went, and oh, by the way, I kept telling all these people, I said, That's the God I serve. Mm. I kept telling them all, That's the God I serve. And stuff. So, anyways, uh, we think, Okay, that's cool. Well, this young guy comes walking in, probably 30, 40 minutes, you know, and he uh, says, All right. We're going to start you on your PT. And I said, I just, at the time I wasn't registering. And I said, what's that? He goes, physical therapy. And I go, oh yeah. And I says, what do you mean physical therapy? Well, we're going to get her up and have her start walking and start moving around. And I says, what do you mean? And he goes, we want her to start moving. I said, she'd been walking all over this hospital. I said, we've been outside at the front of the hospital. <laughs> Day three. Uh, I go, I go I said, we've been out front of the hospital on the park bench in front of, he goes, what? And I says, oh, yeah, for the last five days, we've been driving around everywhere. And he goes, he goes what? And I, and I go, yeah. So he went, he went back to his dog, and he came back into the room, and he goes, he says, she's done. Well, actually, I got pictures of her. He says, I want to see her walk around. So she went out and walked around all the nurses. Send me those pictures. I remember this time code. I want to, if you can I, I think I got them. But anyways, um, and she was walking around, and she had a walker. They put her on a walker and she was walking and smiling at the nurses and stuff like that. And he goes, okay. And he signed off PT. Is that? So her PT lasted like 15 minutes and uh, good, good to go. PT. So the last guy on the list to fix her was her arm. Wow. Everything else had healed. And Dr. Hanks came and he goes, there's nothing here to fix. And I says, so what do we do now? He goes, I'm going to sign for your release if you want to go home. And I go, yeah, we want to go home. He goes, I'll get the release in order. And so I go, okay. And so he starts his release. All that stuff, we have to wait. It's going to take a couple hours to get all this paperwork and everything done. And uh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. And so we're getting ready to leave, getting all of our stuff together because we compiled a certain amount of junk around there, you know. And uh, um, they come and they discharge Mona and... I kid you not, I've never seen anything like this in my life. When they put her in a wheelchair, because you know how hospitals are, they put her in the wheelchair and wheeled her out of her room. She got a standing ovation from all of the nurses mm. and they begin to clap and applaud. Let me tell you why. She's the only person in that 10 day span we saw leave alive. Wow. Me and my son seen every Fourth person floor. die. Not one survived it. Nobody survived that. Now, I'm not saying no one ever survives, but in the 10 days we were there, we didn't see one success story. Now, it could have been somebody was there that went longer than those 10 days, but there was a, a gunshot to the head, <clears throat> black bagged him. Same thing with the motorcycle guy. He ended up in a black bag. And we... Oh, yeah, there's that one. And we stood in the hallway 
and uh, watched, just kept our heads down and just praying for the families. But I mean, we would just stand there as they would just take their bodies out, you know, and just like, we we're so thankful, so thankful. And they're crying and the amount of oh, hurt and anguish these families suffered by these accidents and stuff and critical things that came in. They couldn't save them, you know, we're so sorry type things. And here we're walking out. So they all stood up and gave her a round of applause. Mm. And we went through those doors open for the last time. And as we walked out, everybody, everybody knew us because we'd all been in the same ordeal in the waiting room. They didn't understand why we got to be in there and they all had to stay out in the waiting room. But we come walking out and here she's coming on a wheelchair and everybody in the waiting room, which is probably 10 to 12 people, they stood up and they went, mm. started clapping. And they went, you guys go. And just, it was, to me, it was like a great testimony because by this time, everybody knew our faith. And I'm, I, I, I mean, I was hoping God would for them. But by the time we left that floor, that prayer book was almost filled. Wow. Of people putting their prayers down. One time we came up the elevator and a guy looked at, at, uh, at the boys and they could tell. He goes, you guys okay? local and he says my mom's been in a critical accident this was early on this is like the second day so my mom was in a same day that we had the thing with the little the girl at the mm -hmm. oh by the way we never found her again we went to the gift store to find her probably every day we never saw her again wow when she backed up in that elevator like a angel mm. and uh he goes what floor he went to push the button and kaoki goes number four and he goes he pushed he goes brah I'm so sorry. Nothing, brah, good come off the fourth floor. My family, Man. pray for your family. Those things happen constantly. And it wouldn't and stop. How many body bags they yeah. would oh, yeah. to go out? Wow. And so, so we're, we're coming out, out and, and we're going through the lobby. Left and right. And I'd already sent Kaoki for the, for the car. And we by then had a car. And Kaoki had it there. We go out the front door. We got to the front doors. And uh, I said, I said, hold on. I stopped the, the nurse and he goes, and he stopped like, sure. And I says, my son, the Lord told my son 10 days ago that she was gonna walk out of this hospital. So she's gonna walk from here to that car. And he goes, are you sure? He says, I says, I'm positive. So Mona gets up out of that chair she looks over, our, we're filming on the phones. She looks at the, or the iPad and she goes like this, wired shut, can't say anything. And she walks out the doors and she gets into, into the vehicle. And we were I done. I remember that just faintly. Mm. Okay. But here's what was happening here. And Sean, I think Letty are in those videos, is uh, we were having a prayer vigil that night. They were all in this church. And... Uh, I'm not remembering the days and times what was happening here. But I called back and I says, Alexia was in the booth. I said, Alexia, if we send you something FaceTime, can you air that? She says, yeah. What do you have? I says, I'm going to send you something FaceTime. You just put it on the screens. Now, we don't know what's happening in California. We did when we got home. And Mike Jones from Teen Challenge was preaching. <clears throat> and, I, and I says, whoever's preaching, you have to interrupt them. 
I says, I want you to put this on the screen. Just take, and she goes, okay. I says, you tell me you have my authority. And so apparently she did. And you can see it now that we got to watch the video. But she says, she wants, she says Pastor Marty wants something on the screen. She goes, most definitely, yes. And so everybody's sitting in here. And, and they had had just bits and pieces of this story and stuff like that and was keeping updated best they could. You know, they, they, everybody by now knows Mona is on the recovery stage. And everybody by now has known that that has come, that she'd walk out of there in 10 days. We were sticking with it, you know. And she put those on those two TVs. This place exploded, exploded of cheering and praising God and uh, stuff like that. And it showed Mona live, real time, walking out of, of Queens Medical Center and stuff. So it's a great story. Um, when we got to our hotel, let me stay one more night. And she was in the room. Remember, this is critical care. She was dead. Yeah. And she's going, she could hear the aloha music, the, the luau music going on at the beach because our hotel was on the beach. And she goes, what is that? I'm sorry for the cameras, but she goes, what is that? And I says, they're having a luau on the beach. A lot of Hawaiian music. She goes, I want to go. Mm. I'm going, what? <laughs> she goes, I want to go. And so we get her up, take her downstairs. And I thought she looked beautiful. But you look at those pictures we took that night, I thought, we should have had our heads examined, taken her out looking like, I mean, she looked like she was like, no wonder, you know, she just came out of, you know, the grave, you know, yeah. and it's like, man. But, you know, for us, that was, that was. I had to go get me a new swimsuit. Yeah. yeah she, you went swimming? The no, next day. Just, oh. I don't know. No, she didn't go swimming, but what she did is. They just went and got yeah. me a swimsuit because. She was, I want to go in the ocean. In 10 days. But anyways, where's that? we were in that luau, and they are playing the music. We get done. We go up. I says, babe, I says, you look. I says, you need to get rest. So we go up there. We, 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 that our last night, the next day, just this thing. I'm in Hawaii. I want to at least say I touched the ocean. She goes, I want to go to the ocean. Man, Mona. And I says, all right. So we go out there, and in the sun, we're holding hands. I wish this had been videotaped. And we're walking down the, the, the just Waikiki on the edge of the water, me and her. And I'm just walking, and, uh, and then the next day we flew out. So we get to the airport. Mona can't stand long. I mean, again, she's had all this damage to her leg, ankle. <clears throat> So we're standing there. It's just your energy. Comes up and it, yeah. I have a sign, has my name on it, and I said yes. It says, uh, and had a wheelchair. And I was like, so they put her in a wheelchair at the airport. So the hospital had already, you know, knew wow. flight. Somebody stuff did like. something. Like, we didn't know. So we're sitting there, and then they go, "Are you ready to board?" Yeah. So they took us on the plane. Not one person on the plane. We put our stuff where it needed to be. We got in our seats. They took the, the wheelchair out, and then people started coming down. They started allowing everybody else to board. And I thought, that was pretty cool. You know, usually you're squeezing yeah. down aisles and stuff. And we were just sitting in this big old 747 all by ourselves. Like, all of a sudden people started coming in. We land. We leave out of Honolulu. We land in San Francisco for our connecting flight. And as we, we come out of the plane, there's a lady there with a wheelchair. So she gets in the wheelchair. And we think, well, what she take us to the tram? She takes us to the tram. 
gets on the tram because the tram has the wheelchair thing. Yeah. And she said the wheelchair in the tram and the lady held on to it. This is a lady. We get to the next terminal. She takes her out, walks her all the way to the terminal we got to fly out of. And she stands with her. Mona goes, I have to use the restroom. So the woman takes her into the restroom and helps her in the restroom. These are stewardesses. Yeah. Or stewards, you know, and, uh, and helps her with that, you know, comes back out. But right when we pulled up to that terminal, when the wheelchair walked up, our family members from one of the other islands who were in Big Island, Hawaii, had flown out of Hawaii and we all came to the same connecting flight. Mm. So here we are with some of our, our, my nephews and their, their family. And, and it was just a great time. And they got to reunite with Mona after hearing Mona's death door experience. And here she is, so everybody's loving on her. We, all, we get on the plane, the same thing, they take us on the plane, Everybody gets on the plane. We fly out of San Francisco. We land in Fresno. And lo and behold, we walk out of the plane, and here's a wheelchair. They get in the wheelchair, and we're walking down the, you know, the aisle, the, the, the big long hallway in mm -hmm. Fresno, Yosemite. And Kealoha is walking alongside of me. And he looks at me, my son, and he says, you know what, Dad? And I said, what, son? He says, no one's ever going to understand what God did for us. And I said, we do. I said, if no one ever, ever understands it, we know. And he goes, mom was dead. And he goes, I saw it. And I said, yep. And he goes, he said, man. so we get to our luggage. The lady stays with the wheelchair. Luggage comes around. We pick up our luggage. She goes out the thing, puts her in the Suburban and says, we'll see. And that was it. Wow. She was taken care of all the way to Fresno. And so I'm going to wrap this up now. We come, we stay with family members because I lived up on the mountain. And everybody mm -hmm. was like, Marty, would it be easier? Because we didn't have any handicap type thing. We just stairs everywhere. And I said, yes, it would be. So we're staying with our family. And so the, the first night we stayed, we, we got home and stayed. The next day, out of the blue, um, our dentist or uh, calls, um, Sister Marie. She calls, she's Pastor Marty, how's Sister Mona? You know, and you, these are good friends of ours. Uh, we were been praying for you and you this and that. And I says, well, I says, it's kind of good you called. I says, she's gonna need a lot of uh, facial maxill surgeries and things and stuff and care. And she says, um, that's one of the things they told me in Hawaii. You got to make sure you find a facial, a doctor. Oral maxillary. Yeah, oral facial maxillary, whatever the term is. And uh, I says, okay. Well, the very next day, Marie calls and I, she says, Pastor Marty, I know the top doctor in Fresno. And I thought, huh, yeah, but I, how was the chances that? And specialists, you know, doctor's appointments. She says, I'll talk to him. It wasn't probably two hours later, the phone rang. And I answered the phone and it was that doctor's office. They says, they says, my name. And I said, yes, it is. They said, this is Dr. So-and-so's office. They would like to see Mona tomorrow. This is a specialist. Wow. Now remember, she had her surgery in her, all of this on day seven. We've just flown out like 11 days, like four or five days later, which had been, she was out on the 10th day. We flew back on the 12th day and we're home. She's now going to a, a oral facial, uh, facial surgeon. Surgery. And so we had her there. 
So we go in this, and I kid you not, this is walking on water stuff. We're sitting there, and he comes in, and he goes, so, he says, he introduced himself, and, you know, I'm Dr. So, I can't remember his name to you. And he goes, so how long has this, has this been? And I says, maybe a week. And he goes, no, since the surgery to put her all of this, the damage. I says, I looked at her, I thought, am I saying something wrong? I go, about a week now. Oh, By the way, man. we were told that she would be, her mouth would be wired minimum three months, maybe as much as four to five months man. before they would ever let anything go. The timeline was exhaustive. I thought, this is going to be a lot of work, a lot of problems, trying to keep her mouth sanitized when it's shut, yeah. you know, everything, all that. And so, <laughs> and they gave us instructions. You're going to make sure you, she's got to, you know, like gargling and things like with that, she can suck in and just spit out and yeah. stuff. Keep her mouth as sanitized as possible because she can't get in there with nothing. And it's going to be a long time, you know, three to five months. And so he goes, no, he says, when did this surgery happen, actually happen? I says, a week ago? I was now being timid, like, am I saying the wrong thing here? And he goes, I says, what's wrong? And he goes, well, there's nothing wrong with her jaw. Nothing mm. in here. He says, this should be out of her mouth. And I go, what? And he goes, he's saying it was healed. He goes, wow. All of this has been healed, and it, there's no need for this. And I, I, so what do we do now? He goes, at least we need to remove the cabling. He says, so I'm going to have my nurse come in, or well, the assistant came in and remove the cabling so she can at least start applesauce, soft foods. He says, I can open. he goes, Mona, he goes, I wouldn't be eating apples. I wouldn't go start eating apples right away. He says, but soft foods. But he says, now you can brush your teeth. And I thought, She's, she just got out of surgery a week ago. All these pieces, they fractured, they were put back together. And now he's going, it's all healed up. So they take the cables out and throw on a stainless steel tray. And I'm looking at it in front of me. I took pictures of it because I just like, I had to remember that. Yeah, I send thought, me those pictures I, if you can. Or if <laughs> I'm you can. Find them, but I'll see oh. if I can find all that. But anyways, and then he says, I want to see her back in a week. He says, I don't want to leave this in her mouth. He says, this should be coming out. And he says, but it's hard for me to believe this is a week's surgery. Mm -hmm. And I says, that's the God we serve. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, anyways, you know, he, now it, it all changed. I'm, I'm back in Fresno. I'm at yeah. home now. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He's yeah. like, well, well, anyways. And so a week later, one week later, we had her there exactly to the day. He said, a week later, I want to see her next Tuesday or next Thursday. Brought her in. To the doctor she went in there like this and he looks at the x-rays he goes looks at his, his nurse and he goes he goes take all that out of her he goes mm. that i'm not leaving that in there and so they got the screwdrivers and started taking all the phillips screws out of her and starting to tink you know just tink dropping them on the stainless steel and all these pieces and parts and brackets started coming out throwing down there i started to ask for them i was like can i have those but um <laughs> took all of the top and off and everything that was screwed into her gums I know it hurt her, but you know you could see it. In her, she's just like, because uh, they were it's taking, about twenty-five screws. Yeah, they're taking really? screws uh, that were screwed into the gums, and in her. And so, oh. anyways, um, they got her mouth out, and she was just like, she just like just that, just that two weeks, because by now it's been two weeks, and uh, so, anyways, um, 
God was so good in this whole th uh, process. And I look back at it and I start seeing each one of those miracles from the lady that was jogging all the way down the line, things that was happening. And so this all comes to a close. Mona now is back. We have her. Mom's back. Wife's back. Everything's back. But Queen's Medical sends me a bill for almost a quarter million dollars. Wow. Due now. We were not insured. And the last position I had, I had lost my insurance at the last church, and we just couldn't afford it in a smaller organization. And so a quarter million dollars was a lot of money. They said one year, same as cash. But they were working with us to set up an installment plan to pay off a quarter million dollars in that year. <clears throat> and so we were working with that. But I wrote them a letter and told them all the things I've been saying tonight about Queen's Medical and how amazing and wonderful they were. And I'm sorry that I was there without insurance, you know, and we will do our best, whatever it will be. We, we're, we're pastors. We don't want this to go against us. We want our integrity, everything to stay intact. Mm. We're writing letters like this. But what made the difference? And people miss out because they don't come to Miracle Sunday nights. We brought that bill and laid it down here and anointed it with oil and says, Lord, you didn't bring Mona back to kill us financially. Mm. And we believe you're going to do something with this. And month 11, the counselor that was working with me for payments called, literally crying. You know what I mean? Just, are, are you sitting down? And I was like, what's wrong? We got a relationship talking so much. And she goes, Marty, they just erased your whole bill. Wow. And I was like, what? She says, your whole bill. I says, how often? She says, I've never seen it happen ever. We've seen conditions. We've seen as much as 60%, but not 100%. Wow. And I go, God is so good. And she started rejoicing with me. She goes, he is so good. So that was such a privilege because everybody we connected to was dyed in the wool believers. Mm -hmm. So they just went along with us. They allowed us to stay in the room. They allowed us to do all these wonderful things because they were believers. And they knew they weren't having to deal with this frantic family. You know, they're like, they're, they're helping us. Things like this. The doctor would come in and go, Marty. I'd be in the chair just, Marty. I'd, go. I'd look up and I'd go, yeah. And he'd go, let's go. And I'd get up. There's a routine to us. And I'd go over there and they would put in the, in the <clears throat> IV. And mm -hmm. she had a pick line in her. I mean, it went straight to her heart, you know. So they they put it in there, and 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 I'd go. He he'd start going, slapping, you, know, you know, trying to, and and he goes, okay, go ahead, and I go, Mona, Mona, I said, where's my keys? It worked every time, every time. I don't get people out there laugh. I go, where's my keys? I gotta go, and she goes like, she go, oh, your mouth says, oh, and I says, you don't know where my keys are, she goes. And the doctor would go, Mona? And she'd go, look over like this. He goes, he goes roll your eyes. She'd do that. And just like, he says, and he would make her go, put your thumb like this. She'd go like this. Do your thumbs. Says, wiggle your fingers. Just kept the motor skills going. Move your feet and stuff. And she'd move her feet. And it got so monotonous where it became humorous because she'd walk in and she'd come out of this coma like this. And she's just sitting there like this. She'd wake up and she'd go, no, I don't know where your keys are type thing. She's, she's laying there like this all stressed She'd go like this, she'd go like this. And before he would say something, she'd go. <laughs> she'd go. I don't remember. She'd do that. Then she'd go. 
<laughs> it was a mess, man. I mean, it's just, oh, man. it's like, he goes, all right. And he'd walk out. We'd get back over and I'd pull up in my little chair. What was that? Oh, about three times That's a night. Oh. It just was what a total routine. Three times a night, man. It's just like, or through the day, it's just all time. It never stopped. But, you know, you lose track of time when the everything's, you just lose track of your time yeah. inside of a hospital. But it was just so funny because towards the end, you know, when we were waking her up, probably day five, day six, she just started going, what? And she looked at me like, would, what's your problem, you know? Uh, you know, sleep. would you leave me alone? But I just would get her at every time. It worked every single time. Mona, where's my keys? I don't know why I did that, but I just, <laughs> the first thing I did, and it worked every time, so we just stayed with that routine. And she's, oh, like that. And, and But by the time we go, hey, Mona, where's your keys? And she go, she look at me and she go, <laughs> Oh my God. Then she start wiggling her feet and she go. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you guys this, because that's, I mean, that's a testament to God's faithfulness. Your guys' faith in him, you know, even you, Sister Mo. Well, we got to remember. Yeah. God loves us more than he loves you guys. <laughs> We're special. I know the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons, but he must. This one. Isn't that true? If God will do that for us, that's why I love that new song. He'll do it for us. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. Well, then, listen on that, you know, because, again, still here podcast means that. You know, you're still here, man. God has, you're here for a reason. What do you feel like all that you went through to see all those miracles, why do you think, <coughs> did you thought, why did this happen? Was it for everyone to experience God's hand? Well, honestly... When it happened, everybody said, Marty, you guys got to write this. This needs to be a book. Mm. Uh, what do I know about books? You know, and uh, of course now with AI, you can just about <laughs> blink your eye and have a book, yeah. you know, but, uh, um, but then people have said this, says, this needs to be a movie, mm. you know, and uh, like one of these, uh, I don't, not Hallmark, but these Christian, like uh, yeah. the guys that did Facing the Giants, that type mm -hmm. of stuff where uh, they come in and do that. And I had a bunch of people tell me, you need somehow to get hold of, uh, I just forgot their names. I apologize. Praise You in the Storm is Casting, Casting Crowns. Crowns. He says, you need to get that out there. Casting Crowns would love this testimony to know this was their music that did this. And Have it you was, guys did that yet? Yeah. No, no. I didn't. I'll no. do it here. I'll do it with this clip. Is the fact that... I'll clip it and I'll tag them. Has that, um, you know... Uh, you, I, I don't know what God wants to use the story for. And this, Jose, is the first time in the history of this happening that we've said everything in this amount of time. That's I've been a teen challenge. I've done this a couple times. I did it in messages. But you get, you know, if you're speaking 30, 35 minute slots, somebody invites you to come speak about it. You're in a 45 to, to hour slot and you can see it takes longer to discuss in the things mm -hmm. God did. And, and it's hard for me to believe you're actually going to find anybody to watch this much no, podcast. my no, my. But I, I mean, I'd already been to the end. Going scroll, 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 scroll to the end. No, my downloads. Like that guy's boring me to death. I'm <laughs> no. tired of listening to this guy. Apple Podcast, Spotify. I have faithful listeners. One hundred percent listen to this. You know, this is the for season four. This Do they have the, jobs or anything? I mean, they got to well, go. Well, no, they listen. How long we've been well, doing this? Almost, two, almost uh, three hours. Almost three hours. 
But the thing is, though, they listen, they listen through increments. I kid you not. Jesus of Nazareth didn't know that long of a movie. When in the world? Well, it's Sister Mona's story. It's your guys' story. You know what I'm saying? You know, and let's end it on this thing. You know, Sister Mona, amongst all this, like you said, you didn't know much of anything going on. But now that you're here, now that you're still here, what's your message to somebody listening that's in a, in a storm, in, in, a, in like, a situation that's like, I don't see the light. I don't see the sun coming anytime soon. I think that what I have um, seen or believe now is that um, God did something. Um, even with my husband being a volunteer fireman and being able to do mouth to mouth, being able to revive me, it, I it couldn't was, do that bad. No, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. That was frustrating because I couldn't do anything. You're filled up with blood. We didn't know the damage to your neck. We couldn't move you. And you were face up. And I was like, she's drowning in her own blood. It was a mess. That was the point. The point was that God was doing something that said, I'm going to do this. There's no hand going to touch. There's. It, it, that's because I think he wanted to show... He wanted to show himself because there's, he wanted all the glory. There's things that, that God does. He wants all the glory and he doesn't, he doesn't need man's hand. He doesn't need our touch. Um, not that he doesn't need the prayers, but he, he wants to show himself. And so he took a situation where no one could really help. And when I did get to the wonderful people at the hospital, God started revealing himself and started showing them that here's my hand. They're, they were watching his hand move with all those different x-rays. They were watching my body heal right in front of them. And they, they, that's why they took so many x-rays because they couldn't, they didn't understand it. Things that would have had to have been done. They didn't have to do two pins in my elbow or putting a, a stint in my neck. They didn't have to do because he did it. He healed my body and and that wasn't all of it. There's there's miracles that he still did in me because I suffered with migraines. I have no migraines. They're they're gone. I had gone to a doctor's appointment with my son. I just walked down the hallway to the X ray room. Huh? Oh, my son's here. Hi, son. Hi. Come over here. Sure. Now I lost track of No, no, as I said, you walking, you said you went. Oh, I was going to the a doctor's appointment. So I was walking down the hallway to the examination room, and the doctor said, How long has your hip been out? And I was like, like, I didn't know it was. He goes, you have hip pain? I said, yeah. And he said, so? He's like, he says, it's probably been out since you delivered your babies. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I said, I didn't know. I said, but I am, I have, I'm in pain now. And um, no pain after the accident. It was like, I got hit hard enough. He just slapped that hit back in place <laughs> when it was all happening at the same time. And I was like, so, I mean, there's just 
talk about miracle after miracle. That's what he did. <laughs> That's what he did. And he, I understand that he likes to show himself. And, um, and there is purpose. Um, and and I, I, I've asked him that several, you know, what do you want me to do? And in my prayers, I'm like, God, whatever you want me to do. I say that every day I go to work. Whoever you want me to talk to, you put them in front of me. And I have told my story a thousand times. And it's just, I mean, what better? You know, because it's not someone you're saying about someone else. I'm saying, this is, this is what happened to me. And so people are just like, they can't believe it. Especially even medical people, they're like, you shouldn't be here. You know, you shouldn't, you, everything that they said, I'd never walk, I'd never talk again. I'd be a vegetable. I'm like, but you don't know my God. And my faith since then has, has jumped miles. I believe he can do anything he says he can do. Well, that do. was one of the things that with anything. us, uh, our, faith our faith just exploded, you know. I, I, you like I, to I say you even, have faith. I don't faith. even have to question anything. You, you know you have faith, but when you go through an ordeal like this, you that's when you do. go, man, God, you're a good God, and stuff like that. It's good to have you home. Yeah, good to be home. You're not Mike, but yeah. you're the... Then, again, your last word... But, then, I mean, in other yeah. words, he's been been away at the coast and so he just came in while we're filming yeah yeah so give your last word someone saying like listening you know in the storm just what's that message you know that what do you what do you tell them i just want to tell everybody i i was being uh humorous about it a while ago but the truth is god is the same with everybody the mer the same God that did this for our family, he'll do it for you. You got to trust him. You got to believe in him. Remember at this darkest hour that we all went through together, we went from, we went from watching uh, um, a mother, a wife, basically uh, deceased. In fact, if this had have been years and years ago, they would have just said she's gone. But with today's technology, we are able to revive a, a body. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just go back 50 years, she's maybe even closer to that. In fact, our nurse actually said that. She says 20 years ago, we'd lost her oh. to maybe even 10 years ago, that medicine has advanced so much. That's how catastrophic it was. I just want you to remember that, is that we have such a big God, Psalm 33, a star breathing God. You gotta believe that. You gotta believe that about God. You gotta know that he's there. And I know when you don't feel like you can, you, you can feel him or sense that he's around you, that's usually when he is. Mm. That's usually when he is. And I want you to believe and know. Don't forget, um, he's done amazing things in our lives. In our lives, you know, just the fact that we had Chase Bank call us or send us a letter during the recession and say, uh, this comes from faithfulness. And just letter said we'd like to remove ninety thousand from your account uh, from your mortgage. Like <clears throat> this got to be a scam. Long story short, it wasn't. It took us two weeks to figure out should we even pay attention to this. And they literally said 
because of that, we're trying to put people's mortgages that were faithful and loyal through this recession, you know, that uh, we want to put them in balance. Sure enough, whenever we went and looked at our payoff, it was $90,000 less in the payoff. We sold that property, $90,000 that mm. came, you know, stuff. That's the type of stuff that's like, I refuse when people are going through the valleys. You got to remember, that's where the fish, the streams, the rivers, and the trees are. Everybody talks about the mountaintops. Mountaintops are great to get up there and look down in the valleys. But if you stay up there too long, you're going to starve, mm. you know. There's nothing up there. It's nothing but rock. You can stand on the rock, Jesus Christ. Eventually, you've got to come down and enjoy those valleys mm. and, and quit focusing so much on the things that are wrong in the valley. Yeah. There's a lot of, we live here, we live in the valley. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we sing a song like that, something like that. That's, yeah. Hey, you but, look tired. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you look all wore yeah. out, so. Yeah. You guys have fun? Yeah, we have a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate your time. I mean, I wanna say that, um, and I know, Laura, you know, you say something real quick. What are your thoughts and just last thoughts again and being here now and just, No, um, I mean, I'm so grateful that Sister Mona, you're still with us. I mean, I think being a young teenager and seeing just how loving you are, you know, I've learned a lot from you being a young mom and just seeing how you work. And I really do think like, if Mona could do it, then I can do it, you know? And you're so strong in everything and I, I just you're such a great role model and I'm so glad that you're still here with us and you're still so beautiful so sweet and so I'm so blessed that you're still here with us thank you but. yeah I just want to tell you guys thank you for your time she didn't say anything about me yeah yeah. <laughs> Pastor Marty, you're beautiful. Pastor Marty, you are. Uh, oh, no, no, it doesn't work now. I, 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 had to, I had to coax it out of him. I had to fish for that one. No, it don't work now. I already done fish for that one. Yeah, I lost it. I lost it. I would say, you know, Pastor Marty, I, you know, just one of you guys' story is awesome. This is why I wanted you on. You know, this podcast will get a lot of love and support, especially for this story, because last week's podcast is. You know, these two guys, Steve and Mitch, shout out to those guys. They help people in the storm. You know, people have been crazy accidents, falling off cliffs. They, 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 they're hopping a one, one year, a year and a half year old baby that was uh, abused by a babysitter, just getting slammed, thrown around. And this went live, you know, breaking news. And so these guys help people with that. And so just the way our, the podcast is impacting, you know, it's, you know, I give I give glory to God because I know it's not me. You know, so I want to tell you, your guys' story just really is going to resonate. Like you said, you didn't have time to just sit there and tell this because this this probably could have gone. It's first time. This is yeah. the first I've sat in a chair comfortably, and just kind of just no unloaded rush. it all. And I'm, I'm sure, sure I missed a few details yeah. Yeah. and I'm stuff sure. like that because God was so good. It's yeah. so it's so massive um, of a of a journey that that was happening. Oh, here's the last thing. That Sunday that we were supposed to return, we were gone for a full two weeks, you yeah. know, and uh, um, we the Sunday we were supposed to be home. We'd already made arrangements for the church to be covered, everything. That Sunday we came home was our Sunday to be home. 
And so everybody came to church because she gets here early with the worship team. And she was sitting right over here in the front pew, dressed ready for church, wow. sitting in church. And everybody's coming in there. We're like, what in the world? Sister Mona's <laughs> at church. Crazy. Two weeks ago, she was dead, you know, and here she is in church. And that was a big deal. And that was big for her because we were, we were with family members. and They were going, you, just, you don't need to do this. You know, just rest, relax. She goes, and Mona goes, I want to go to church. Mm. I want to be in church and stuff. So that's just a testimony to, you know, her and, and the way she leads is, I want the women to know, I want the people to know, you can be knocked into death, into a, a catatonic coma. And you know what? We're supposed to be back in two weeks and she was back in church. So, I mean, that's just- I just want to, you know, God gets all the glory. That's all I, I that's all I want out of this is, for him to get the glory. That's all. It was, he did a mighty work and I know that he's capable of doing that with anybody. I know. Yeah, you do for me, you do for me. I love that. Well, it's dinner time. It's dinner time. All right, you guys, well, thanks for tuning in. I mean, again, by far the longest podcast in season four, but one of my favorites because just the history and just, you know, my relationship with Pastor Marty, Sister Mona, Kealoha, and, and, and Kaoki, you know, just, you know, God has really restored this and reconciled this relationship. And I believe there's great things coming. So you guys, I pray that you guys find your peace in God. I pray that you guys find Him in your situation. Don't go look for any other resources that you feel might fulfill a temporary feeling or a moment, but trust in God, follow Him, man. And, you heard the story tonight, today, going into this weekend that, man, if you can do it for her, you can do it for you. Don't feel like you're not special. Don't, feel, don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let you lie to you. Man, God loves you. He wants to bless you, but you got to give your life to him. There's no prerequisite, no precondition to serve God. He just wants to love you. So you guys stay tuned for the season. This season is about to wrap up really soon. We're getting into... Just some great content, local local creators, podcasters, business owners, you know, uh, content, man, just artists constantly. That, that's what I want to do, support these people around the Central Valley. And so that's what Still Here Podcast is all about. I love you guys. Go check out all our episodes, other seasons we have going on. So hit the link tree in my bio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Man, follow us on all our social media platforms. We'll see you guys in the next